Um, the only thing I want to say about this song is uh, I, I, am, I am proud to be American, and I'll take whatever comes with that. And if, whoever I got to talk to, I'll talk to them. And uh, I just, I'm at a point now where I just want to understand. Never mind. I'm not going to waste Yeah, I got I got nothing today. We can uh What's up? Yo, 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 yo. Yo, 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 yo. So um We be in the hallway. How are y'all, man? I'm doing okay. Just doing things are great <laughs> and things are stressful. <laughs> and Chris had a stressful morning, he told me. Yo, what happened? Uh, well, I can't say it's super stressful, but I plugged in my phone. I had an important meeting this morning, and I woke up. My phone was dead, and I had no. missed my meeting by an hour. And I got, I did the charge. I, I'm like, yo, make sure I don't fuck this up. Like, let me charge the phone. Let me. No. Still did not stay on all night. That is the worst, dude. That's when technology fucks you. Such a blower. I've been planning out this meeting for weeks. Oh it's with man. Can you say what it's for or no? Uh, it's with a person that runs a tech and music festival. Oh, yeah. man. That's always the ones you miss. It's like people you really want to link with, and then the day, it's half the day passing, you're like, oh, shit, that was today? Yeah, that literally happened to me like four times this week. I was talking to this band that I work with who's like got a really, you can probably turn me up just a little bit. I was working with this, uh, I was talking to this band, um, who's like really, really, really building steam in New York. And of course I want them for the festival because we're like booking that shit right now already. Mm. And uh, we were supposed to have a meeting like four days in a row. And we just kept, like I would forget and then he would have a date. And then he would forget and then I would be babysitting or something. You know what I'm saying? Like it wow. was just, it was like crazy, man. You babysit? Hell yeah, I'm going to babysit this evening, boy. Um, when I first moved to New York, it's like, it was like, I don't know. It just felt like women could get so many jobs so much easier. Like, at least the jobs I was going for. Hold don't up, say hold that. up, hold don't up. Pause. Babysitting. Pause, 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 pause. And like, Ralph? barista. Bro. I was a barista. Is, wait, wait, wait. Maybe it's just on. me. Hold on, hold on. We're not just going to run through this. All right. Let's, let's, let's. 2020. <laughs> we may want to be careful with the like, it's easier for marginalized groups of people conversations. Hey, just throwing uh, it out here. I, I think, I'm open to talk about it. I got listen. I got to be wrong to know I'm wrong. Okay. I mean, you I know, don't know. I, you know what? I guess this honestly, this honestly brings me to one of my first things that I want to talk about, <laughs> which is kind of fucking amazing. Uh, before we get started, though, I am Carrie Blue. I'm Precious Gorgeous. I am Chris Carr, and this is We Be in the Hallway Podcast. Yay. Now to the shits. I like how we're all sitting <laughs> facing in one direction like Joe Budden podcast. Oh, yeah, that's my joint. Bro, I love the Joe Budden podcast. I Like, lately, they have been potting, bro. Like, Yo, can we get to what was the topic, man? I know. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. All right, so check it out. It's so nice love. recently, and recently, I mean this morning, I was looking at uh, Instagram, and uh, Uncle Snoop was on uh, Instagram, and... I heard that, I didn't know about it, but Bill Cosby sent him a text or like an email or something from jail. What? And I want to, um, 
I want to actually say what the text said so that I don't get it wrong, but oh, he's look he's gonna look at his text. He's gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at the, the text that Bill Cosby sent to Snoop Dogg from jail. Yeah, so I want to make sure that dad I, to America's uncle. Yeah, I want to make sure that I get this right because there was like a lot of backlash on it. And, you know, it'll get us into our point. I promise, Chris, we're not just talking about celebrities. Uh-huh. There is a deeper, darker. There is a dark side. Yeah, deeper, darker meaning in it. Um, where? Okay, here we go. He says, Bill Cosby says, Snoop, when they brought me to my gated community and placed me inside of my penthouse, they didn't win, nor did they silence me. It's so sad and disappointing that successful black women are being used to tarnish the image and legacy of successful black men. Even in death, are these people that in need of fame, ratings, and or money? On behalf of myself, Camille, and my family, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My heartfelt prayers are with Kobe and his family, as well as with Michael Jackson and his family. May their legacies live on. Now... Amanda Seals commented on this. Oh, no. Amanda what Seals is com- this pileup going on? Amanda Seals commented on it. And there was a guy who, uh, and I have to find it. He was like, he said this thing, and I immediately asked my girlfriend. I was like, yo, how do you feel about what this guy said? Um, he said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Basically, what he said was, you know, black women have to, and I'm paraphrasing right now because I don't want to spend too much time. He said black women have to remember uh, that they want to take black men down and that you are black first and a woman second. So my question, and we are, Uh, we are, like, we are in... We are men, so this is coming from us. So I'm going to ask you from a man perspective because I don't want us to speak to the woman perspective. Well, first of all, but you just gave you just gave two quotes from who? From Amanda Seals and no, 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 no. Bill so Cosby. I gave you Bill Cosby's thing, and then a guy commented on what Amanda Seals and this other young lady said and said because Amanda Seals said to Snoop Dogg because Snoop Dogg posted it and was like, "I love you, Uncle Bill," and. Amanda Seals was like, yo, like I've been a fan of yours for so long, but this is like disheartening. Yeah, this is disheartening. And a lot of people were like, yo, like he's not supporting rape. He's just like telling somebody he loves him that meant a lot, blah, blah, blah. And so this dude who was like on the side of he's not supporting rape and we have to support black men regardless was basically like, yo, y'all are wildin' because you have, and you have to remember that you are a black, you're black first and you are a woman second. So I'm wondering, are you black first? That's the ghost of Bill Cosby right there. (laughs) Yeah. Are you black first and a man second? Or are you a man first and black second? Man, there's so much. Hold on, I can hop in on this real quick. Go ahead. (laughs) All right, first, first. Did Bill Cosby have access to the internet to send Snoop anything? Second, secondly, you know that's what's going to happen. You know that if you're Snoop and you post a supposed quote from the jail Bill Cosby, people are going to go ham. Yeah. Amanda Seals is supposed to go ham. Yeah. 
Yeah. Women are supposed to go ham. All right. Because if we think about it, what's the normal narrative? An assault happens and nothing is done about it. And then the person who committed the assault goes on and live a life unaffected by the trauma they may have caused someone else. Now, then you get into the weirdness of a basketball player dies and people act like literally they just lost a close family member. People I've never even heard mention this man are going crazy about it. Then other people immediately are like, don't forget he's a rapist, which he actually wasn't, depending on how you look at it. He wasn't convicted and his charge was not rape. So even if he had been convicted, it wasn't of rape. Mm. Uh, and then now you got Bill Cosby coming out to cut in jail and Snoop. All this is a big circus jerk clusterfuck that, that baffles me. I will say this. You are clearly woman before anything else. All humans start off as women. And then the gonads break through the abdominal wall and drop and become testicles. And then you develop all the different things that differentiate you. Your race is a false construction. Mm. So you definitely can't be black first. Mm. Now, I understand what he's saying, because Tiger Woods had to remember he was black, but it took something going wrong before he got the reminder. Mm. Michael Jackson got the reminder, oh, yeah, you're still a black motherfucker. So I, I get the idea of don't tear down black men in public. I get the idea of there's already so much, like, like misanthropy towards black men. But, again, when shit goes wrong, we also need to be able to say shit went wrong. And not just stand by. Again, I grew up off Bill Cosby shit. But if he was drugging that many women, I don't need to hold on to that. I can hold on to That's like the characters that he made or the television and still watch the shows. But I can be critical of like Snoop. Why are you talking about? I still love you, Uncle Bill. And. And maybe that's real. In people's families, someone's uncle might do some bad shit and the person still loves him. I don't know, you know, but but I, I, I think this is like a hilarious kind of cycle of everyone else getting paid. Amanda Seal's job is to be antagonistic in the, on the internet. Snoop's job is to raise all this type of clamor and get attention. And, you know, I don't know, man. I th- I, it's funny I, because I genuinely had never thought about that. Like how you identify your um, disenfranchised parts, right? As a man, because my girlfriend used to tell me we would get into arguments about black versus woman, like, you know, the the Frederick Douglass versus... what was old girl's name? Women's suffrage. Uh, I can't think of it. We talked Susan about B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony. Yeah, and um, just like that struggle has always been a struggle, especially with white women and white women being like, "Hey, like we're blah." And I'm like, "Y'all chill," because I remember being like, "Yo, you're white. Like, miss me with that shit. Like, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say about that." And she's like, "Yeah, but I'm a woman though. So at the end of the day, it's like I still feel this like." pressure and it wasn't until I really saw like open my eyes a little bit more to the plight of women not just in America but all over the fucking world and the things that are done to women all over the world that I was kind of like I do have privilege as a man you know what I mean at the end of the day like yes I am a black man and (laughs) America is fucked up and the world is fucked up when it comes to us but also like as a male, I still have some privilege in this world. And I never thought about that. And even in thinking now, I'm like, yo, do I identify as a man first? Or do I identify as a black man first? Because 
I think we only say I'm a man when somebody threatens our masculinity. We only say I'm a man when ego comes into play. I say it when I'm cooking eggs. (laughs) I'm a man. (laughs) But we rarely, but it's normally I'm a black man, especially in today's climate. Mm. It's normally I'm a black man and this is what I'm dealing with. That's how we identify, you know what I mean? If somebody said, how do you identify? The first thing you would probably say is, I'm a black man. You wouldn't just say I'm a man. Most people wouldn't, unless your struggle is gender inequality. But I feel like when you're talking about what the struggle is, that's what you identify with first. Uh, I I don't know if I have anything to comment on this for one uh, particular, for one specific reason. I still haven't seen roots. Yes. Yeah, right. uh, so I don't. I don't know. I don't have. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going. I agree with Chris Tech that it's a. It's a big circus, and it's. It's interesting to see people's reaction to all this, but I. I um, I, I don't know. The the only thing I will say is like, I I remember getting the news about the death, and like there was a. Definitely a frantic, and I have no, I don't watch sports at all, but I know who Kobe is and I admire him for the figure of tenacity and, and determination that he holds in, in the culture as, a, as an icon, right? And uh, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of respect for that. So when I saw that news, it was just so shocking and so jarring, and it just came from out of nowhere. There was no signal that this man was going to lose his life. So I was really like, I was like three hours of like, this has to be a mistake, like disbelief and denial. So it really, you know, he's just a, he's just a fixture in the culture. And, and I know for me, like I, I've, I spent so much time around art that these people really feel like my, my family in a way, because I spend probably as much time with them. I spend as much time listening to Prince or Jay-Z or, or, or watching an interview with, you know, Dame Dash, as I do these days, hanging out with one of my sisters, you know what I mean? So these people, their ideas affect, like I just told you, I, I, saw, I saw this guy, I saw a clown, this guy whose work I fell in love with, and it cha- totally changed the course of my life. Like, I, the job I have right now is because I met this clown that I saw on TV. Um, so, I mean, that also, I think, gets into attribution or, like, what we attribute to different elements. So if if you were to be asked about your identity, you might say black male is the first thing that comes up. Are you starting with American citizen? Are you starting with able-bodied? Are you starting with intellectually capable and not having developmental issues? No. Yet that probably defines you more than all these other things That's to a right. certain extent. So there, there are so many parts of ourselves that we are too deep into the forest to see and that we don't recognize as being important to ourselves. And so I I get this concept of, like, yeah, it feels like these athletes affect us a lot. But that doesn't mean they really have as much of an effect that we think they do. Mm. It's a nice, I think, uh, marker or, like, it's a point of commonality. Like, what music do you listen to? That must mean something because we like similar things or not. Or who's your favorite basketball player? And we attach things to it. But I'm... To go to the beginning of, of where this started from was uh, I'd be careful saying it's easier for any marginalized group to do anything because my roommate was an actor and he used to talk to Ohene and kind of like be condescending to Ohene and be like, well, it's easier for you to get roles because like you're a black guy and they say black guy and there's oh, so many roles for you. Yeah, that's a And point. Ohene looked at this motherfucker like, 
you know how there are 15 roles in the film? There's only one for a black person. Yep, yep. And all the rest, you could fill. You could fill the one of the white woman because they'll just put you in a dress. Yeah. But I can only fill one of the roles. Mm. And so this concept that, like, well, it's easier for women to get certain jobs, I'd be kind of careful about that. Um, and when he gets into this conversation, I do wonder, as, as a man, do you feel threatened by the conversations that women are having around either the Me Too stuff or how something can happen 15 years ago and it carries over into this man's life or death? Matter of fact, is there like a fear you all have or? No, I, it's funny because I've had these conversations with my, uh, with my girlfriend and, um, for me, it's, it makes me want to examine who I am and make sure that I am, I am who I say I am. Right. Because there have been situations, there were situations in college where it was never malicious, like sexual misconduct on my part but there were a couple of times where I had to apologize to a woman which I, I took full I, I took full um uh what word am I looking for responsibility responsibility I took full responsibility for it because um because it was wrong but it was also something that I there were miscommunications and I just didn't know like this, this thing of it has to be explicit, like yes or no, wasn't a thing back then. We were taught if she said no, then she was playing hard to get or certain situations. And I'll, that's still muddy now. Yeah, I mean, it is. And I remember this one situation where me and this girl were who's actually a good friend of mine now. I won't say her name, but me and this girl were like messing around for a time and then she told me i'll never forget it she was like if you hit this pussy you're gonna be with this pussy for the rest of college and i was like i'm good then i'm, I'm straight <laughs> i'm straight I'm <laughs> and then but she would still do this thing where she would like flirt with me and like there was this like opening of oh, you didn't mean that. Like, that was just, like, uh, in the moment type thing. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would make certain comments or I would, like, make a pass at her if we got drunk or something. And then her and uh, other good friends of mine came to me and was like, yo, like, you're harassing her. And I was like, how, my nigga? Like, I, how? I, I literally, and she was like, this is what it is. And I'm like, I had no idea. I'm, like, so sorry, like, even until this day, like, I, that's one of those things that I look back on and I'm like, fuck, man. Like, but I didn't know. Like, I truly didn't know. You know what I mean? And it's, it's tough, man. But so it just makes me, because I've always been the person when a girl says stop, I stop. Before that situation, after that situation. But there was never a definitive, I don't want to do this. It was always that playful, like, nah, like, chill. But then you would, like, grab, then she would, like, grab on to me and, like, it'd be a thing. And so instead of me being 23 at the time, you know what I mean? I'm not thinking to be, like, okay, what is this? I'm just going with the vibe of the situation, you know what I'm saying? And it can't get fucked up, man. And, like, I've, I've, I've done, like, I was, I, I, I can say this, I was uh, sexually assaulted as a kid. Um... And it wasn't by, like, a man. He didn't, like, take me into a dark place or anything. I had a babysitter who um, 
was my, I guess she was technically my cousin, but she was my stepfather's niece. And she babysat me and my little sister, and she would make me massage her boobs. And I was probably like 10, 11. She was like four or five years older than me at the time. And uh, so, you know, you she's 16, 17. I'm 10. Like, that's crazy. Like, you look at a 10-year-old now, and you're like, holy fuck, that's how old I was? That's crazy. And I remember this one time, my cousin, my little, uh, my little cousin, she, uh, we had this situation where I kind of held her down and did the same thing to her that I did to that person. And my cousin came to me later and was like, yo, you, like, you assaulted me. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because I hadn't even thought about it in years. Because this was around the same time. I was probably like oh, 11. Wow. And I hadn't even thought about it in years. This was probably like three years ago when we had this conversation. And um, I was like, what are you talking about? And then we brought it up and we began to talk about it. And we began to discuss this thing that really had an effect on her and who she was. Um, and it was just crazy to talk about it and go back and then make the connection. Because, I mean, you're 10. If, you're constant, if this is constantly happening to you by somebody who's supposed to keep you safe, then this is affection in a way. And it's also bad because when I held my cousin down, there was another kid there who was also like just doing this to her, you know, to her breasts, you know what I'm saying? And again, she was like 10, bro. Like, you know what I mean? She's a year younger than me. So if I was 11, she was 10. Like it was just fucking nuts, man. And it sucks to think about those things, but it also makes me want to be better. And I don't have any problem saying I was wrong, even as a child, you you know? Yeah, you were also a child. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, even as a child, I know that was wrong, but I can also look at it and see this non-clarity in this physical affection that's given to her. And I, I, me and my cousin have had many conversations about that, and we're back to a place that's, like, great. Um, and she, you know, it, it is tough, man. It's tough as a man to realize that you were fucking wrong. And even if you don't know and even if you don't see how fucked up a situation can be, it could be really fucked up, man. There have been a couple of times where, like, I've tried to kiss a girl and she's been like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, and you just, because we're always taught, we're not taught to ask. We're taught to take the chance. And it might happen and it might not happen. So, like, first off, man, I want to, I want to, like, Thank you for having the courage to talk about this. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and for it's like sure. a, needed, a needed conversation. And I think there's a, a generational change now where asking and being explicit is becoming a part of, I wouldn't say foreplay, but in a certain way, an element to engagement physically is the talking now. And so, like, in a lot of circles I'm in, people have started asking, can I hug you? People have started asking, can I be in your personal space? Mm-hmm. And in arenas where before, no one asked about it. You just walked up on a motherfucker and would give him a hug. Or I remember when I was in college, it was one of the whole things was like, nah, I hug everybody. What's up? And you could tell some people maybe like, I don't normally hug. And it wasn't looked at as, well, I am invading your personal space or I'm fucking with your boundaries. You need to loosen up. And there are these things that like when I was growing up, 
whether it was go kiss grandma. It's like, I don't want to kiss grandma. Boy, you better go over there and kiss grandmother in cheek. Now those types of things are starting to change to where you do have parents being like, if you don't want to kiss your uncle, don't kiss your uncle. If you don't want to give someone so a hug, don't. And trying to reinforce boundaries and being able to state where your boundaries are and in what scenarios. But I think that's something that's definitely generational and changing. And now you're getting an awareness of it's not just did a person say no, but was there a explicit and enthusiastic yes? Facts. I mean, I like this this conversation a lot as well. I appreciate it. I, I think I wonder if I have like some sort of condition because like I don't know if you guys are I equate these things together. I don't know if you guys are good at math, but I I've probably brought this up before, but I have have like a difficulty in life where if you're like cut this piece of wood to six and three fourths inches, I, I'm like, wait, what three you know, the precision fucks me up the precision of anything fucks with me that there can be one right answer of anything it fucks with me like i can't and i, I think that's why i always backed away from math because i was always like what how could how could it be exactly 0. 0.0726 how could that be right you know um so in the same way with human inter interaction i'm always very much like to me like all the conclusions you draw from your story i completely resonate with and then i also see a complete different side of it like the fact that you're children the fact that ch childhood is messy the fact that life is messy adulthood is messy sexuality is messy familial relations are messy that everything is so messed that's all i see when i look at how people interact and how people are together all i see is mess and that we are trying to make sense out of a mess but i that is how i process the world and and so i think Sometimes I have issues with people where they think I'm being facetious or, or obtuse, and I literally, I'm always like, I can't understand how could they, there could just be one right answer. It doesn't compute to me. Physically, I'm like, that is correct, but there is also this that is also true, and it is completely contradictory. Uh, I, I'm always seeing those things. So even like, with, like I know exactly what you're talking about, where, where it's like there's a messiness of like, no, I don't want this. I'm hugging you. No, I don't. And, or like hearing women say, I want consent, explicit consent is sexy, blah, blah. And hearing other women say, you ruined the mood because you asked. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to ask. And, and, and it's just different specific women. But that, that is out there. And you can't ever really know for sure what works for whom, especially when you're out there dating and you don't know somebody and you know you don't you're just out there trying to figure out the world. You're just a nobody. You're just a some shit person trying to figure out what's going on and how to you know you you might be lonely, you might be high, you might be drunk, you might be whatever it is. None of these things are excuse, but there is no excuse. There is there's nothing there's just a big mess that we're all trying to figure out and navigate and based on your circle, based on um the strata, the class you live in, based on the education level, based on the country, based on the part, the side of town, based on the way your family was. There's so many things based on your sexual preference, based on whatever it is, based on the way you've been conditioned, based on the the the, the language you, that you use, based on the definition of words that you that you either do or don't agree on. There's so much mess, and and everyone's doing their best to try to navigate that mess and find precision and and and, and um. Uh, be on the right side of things, but I, I just see life as a as a fucking just a swamp or a bog that we're trying to bring some order to and navigate. But 
there's always uh what's the name when things constantly degrade um uh entropy there was always entropy everything's degrading and then we're trying to put it back in order and it's degrading and we're trying to put it back in order and and i i am not in disagreement with anything you guys said i just can't help but see that i mean i think there's also an element of do we owe ourselves self protection and my mom's an attorney, so throughout most of my life, I was getting the you better protect yourself conversation. That, like, if you're going to sell a bike to somebody, make sure you have a contract, a receipt, a copy of your receipt. Was there a witness there to protect yourself when the person says you didn't buy or sell the bike or whatever the price was? And when it comes to, I think, sexual dynamics, because it's so messy, there were a lot of conversations around that. And, and my mom used to do sexual harassment training and EEO stuff at Howard University. So we'd have to go, and I would help her, so we'd have to go in front of the whole football team freshman year and then give the, here's what you're allowed to do, here's what you're not allowed to do. And we'd start by asking, and probably about 70 to 80% of these 18-year-olds would have no idea what the legal boundaries are and have no idea what you could get in trouble for, have no idea the severity of the trouble you could get in. So I've, I've had a lot of these conversations, and I think one of the, the benefits of now is are you, how far are you willing to go to protect yourself? Maybe you're willing to mess up the mood to make sure that there's an enthusiastic guest. Like if you're messing around with somebody and you're like, do you want to have sex? And a person's like, well, you just ruined the mood. It's like, well, that's better than me catching a charge. You know, should I get a condom? You see me putting the condom on. And I have numerous stages of yes, yes, yes. Now, also, I have an ego thing of, especially in my older age, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything, you know, when it comes to sexuality. I want to be, con- I, I want the woman to like, like, like on the on right. landing strip with an airplane <laughs> with big signs, like, boop, boop, right. put the dick in me here. Like, yeah, yeah. please, yes. I want that dick. Like, I, I, I would. There's a microphone there. She's doing a, she's doing like a deposition. Put the dick inside, please. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and like, emphatic, say it, like, dick in me now. Yeah. You know? 407. <laughs> yeah. But but it is true that like I've definitely been around people that do the they they're playing when they say no and I've had to be like hey hey don't play like that with me you say no I'm gonna get up and like put I'm, my clothes yeah back I'm on. out I'm out yeah. I am out. bro you know. it's so it's so and not to cut you off no. I'm sorry um, it's so interesting that you said that like protecting yourself I'm fucking pot in a day I don't care so we were in college bro and I ran with a group of guys that like we were fly as fuck like we were and <laughs> I love how you said that we <laughs> we um we all uh to a certain extent uh were very good with women like you know we 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 did our thing in college I, like I won't lie and um there was this one chick one chick bro and it's funny because like whenever I start to tell this story especially in front of women they're always like, oh, she was dumb, like, whatever, fuck her, like, she was a hoe. And it's like, first of all, don't slut shame her. She knew what she wanted. She got a full ride to Clemson. She was not dumb, right? She would come to our college, right? And, uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll be the only person that I say was in these situations. Um, but she would come to our college, and uh, we had a homeboy that she knew. And so... She just liked to fuck the squad, bro. Like, to keep it 100, she loved to fuck the squad. Like, she really did. And she'd be like, such and such, this is what I need when I get there. 
What did red sheets? <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> she would be, she would be like, she she'd be like, oh, me. yo, she would be like, yo, get the uh, she'd be like, get the uh, get my bottle. She loved fucking Burnett's vodka. She loved that shit. Get my bottle. Just have it there for me when I get there. And I would, it would be situations, bro, where I would walk into a room and like, you know, when I was at, uh, in a certain place, like we had, I mean, a certain place in college, I think it was my sophomore year. Yeah, it was my sophomore year. We had suites, right? So, you know, the one room is connected by the bathroom and then you go into the other room. So I would get get back to the dorm from class, walk through the walk through the bathroom just to say what's up to the homies. And like my homie would be playing PlayStation, getting hair from old Shotty, bro. Like crazy. So this one particular day, she decided like she wanted the squad, right? And she was like in a room, and so niggas is, you know, taking their turns, getting their little, you know, hand jobs or sucky sucky, whatever. And uh so beyond my experience. <laughs> and so I went into the room, right? I went into the room. I'm probably like, I'm probably like third. Like I get the condom. She like, she like, come on. Like she put the covers over us, and I'm like getting to work and <laughs> It was this other dude who came in who's honestly, like, not the most attractive person in the world. He was my dude, but, like, he wasn't the most attractive person in the world. And I remember her emphatically saying no. And she pointed to him and said no. And, of course, the homie was like, oh, no, come on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no. And she's fucked up, but she still knows, like, what's going on. She was like, No. And I was like, I got up out of the bed, and I was like, bro, just, you know what I'm saying, just just chill out, just like, just chill out. And he was like, nah, come on, bro, come on, come on, come on, bro. And I was like, nah, bro, just, you know what I'm saying, give me a couple of minutes. He walked out the door, I closed the door, and I locked it. Because everybody was outside, right? And the first thing I asked her, I was like, you straight? And she was like, yeah, I'm good. And then she got up out of the bed, and she was just like standing like in the mirror, like kind of getting herself together. And uh, I was like, yo, we ain't got to do shit. And she was like, nah, come on. And just like grabbed me and took me back to the bed. The homies was like, oh, to this day, some of my homies are still like, oh, lock the door, man. Like, oh, oh, goddamn, you going, you going, hey, bro, if I go to the store, you going to lock me out type shit. Like, <laughs> and it's like, bro, you have no idea that this white, she's a white girl that got a full ride to Clemson, bro. Like, if I didn't lock that door and something happened that she didn't want to happen, you think she only going to tell on one of us? No. I did this for all of us, bro. You think I was just being selfish because I'm just trying to get it in. Like, no, bro. And I know she knew what was going on because she knew who she didn't want to have sex with. She knew who she didn't want to do anything with. And she made it very clear. I'll shut this whole shit down right now. And so for me, it's crazy that they couldn't see that part of it. Some of them still don't see that part of it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, fuck y'all, bro. I'm not going down for nobody, bro. Like, nobody's ever going to say that I did something maliciously like that, and I just sat and watched the shit happen. Fuck out of here, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's also... I, I had been advised to just avoid those type of scenarios. That's a fact. Now, yeah, after that, you know, never again. Um, and and realizing that if you are there when certain things happen, you will be part of the story. That's a fact. And there's certain stories I'll never want to be a part of. You know, 
but that's also the messiness of when you're in college. Like, there are all these experiences. Your parents aren't there to, to chaperone. And there are all these things that happen that your parents aren't going to tell you could really happen. Mm-hmm. You know, at least not my mom. She's she square as hell. So there is no, like... So when you get to college and you actually meet people who are into group sex, here's how you stay safe in a group sex scenario. Yep. That's not the conversation me and my family was having. I don't know how many families were having that conversation. Like, just really being real about the shit that can happen. I think my dad tried a couple of times, <coughs> but we were at odds for a while. So that conversation never really, like, developed like it was supposed to. But, bro, like... Ain't nobody having those conversations about what what to do in a train. Like nobody's having yeah. that conversation. Nobody bro. had that conversation with me, but I don't feel like it was because my my dad was a wild dude. You, I don't want to say on here, but my dad was wild, and uh, <laughs> and uh, like grew up in in Brooklyn in the in the sixties seventies and. Was wild, and uh, and my mom. I don't really know because the, here's the thing with me: I didn't have my first kiss till I was 21. I was a virgin till I was 24. I watched cartoons, you know. I ate sugar cereal. I am I am a child of the light. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, so there's that that like I wasn't. I'm not like a. I'm not like a. A, a eunuch. I'm not like uh, you know. I live in the world, but I'm. Yeah, you make I'm, rap songs about having sex like animals. Yeah, you do. I was like 30 when I wrote that song, bro. <laughs> I was. I'm late. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, I just. I I never was. Plus, I went to art school, so there's a whole. There's probably there was shit going down, but that was a whole. I was about to say that's where the shit go down. Boy. Yeah, there was shit going down, but the, also, I didn't really. I just, I'm on a whole other side of life. Like, there was, I never even was remotely close to any anything like that. That's just not, that's just not me. So I, so I, I don't know. I have nothing, I have nothing to, to add to this except for just, yeah, just even in that, like, just even from stories like that when, when it's like, when there's so much involved, but then people want to put so much procedure and 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 fine um, exactness parameters on yeah. things, where the, when there's like, yo, yesterday, last night, I'm a little groggy right now because last night I just finished the third season of Daredevil, like three years later, uh, and like I'm watching the one episode with a girl, Karen Page, who you think is a squeaky clean. She's out here do, doing and selling coke, shooting people, like, you know, what I mean, running with the drug dealer, like. People are messy, like, and you can think someone's one thing, and they have a whole other thing, and that, and that's, and that's just what it is. Like, there's just okay. so when we, so when we're talking about, like, things are confusing for me, and I am always sober. I can't imagine what happens if there's something, like, interfering with your, with your clarity, you know, in a social situation, um, or in a sexual situation. Like, I, I, I just. I don't. I don't get mad at the at the at the technical things or or, or 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 the processes that we try to put in place. But just when people try to be sticklers about it, when I'm just like, how can you be a stickler about this? Nothing will go to plan. Everything is is falling apart 
all and we're putting it back together by hand all the time. So I can understand this is what we're shooting for. But when people have no give, have no leeway, have no generosity, mercy, or grace around how messy everything can be, um, it, it's, it's, it's just difficult for me to understand. Oh, I mean, you, you bring up a, a question of contrition and redemption. and Contrition. Yeah, like, is it possible for someone to make a mistake, honestly feel contrite, like, honestly feel bad about it and want to apologize and make up for it and have their life change after making this bad mistake? And can they experience some level of redemption where either God or themselves or other people can recognize that change and say, you aren't the same person that you were when you were 15 or 20 or 25, or you aren't the same person that you were when you made this horribly bad mistake. You know, there, there are people in Congress now who, who got drunk and killed people in car accidents. Mm -hmm. And then they devoted the rest of their life to making sure that would never happen to anyone else. Now, it doesn't take away the fact that they killed somebody, basically. But is that how they're defined the rest of their lives? Mm -hmm. Are they able to then say that that's a part of them, but then there are also these thousands of other things they've done that are positive? And it then gets into a, an equation or like a question of how do you respect survivors and victims of violence, assaults, and things of that nature while recognizing the humans that committed those assaults or violations may grow change or in some way seek redemption? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we often have the difficult question or, or conversation around that. Like, let's say Kobe did hurt somebody, however many, that was 15, 20 years ago or mm -hmm. something. Is that the first thing to mention when the Bama dies? On the other hand, is it disrespectful to the victims of sexual assault that what happens to them always gets brushed under the table to make sure the conversation isn't too difficult? Right, not at all. It's, I, I, I think it's interesting, I, I guess to your first actual question that led us here uh, is, do I feel threatened by the conversations that are going on? And I, I say no. And I, I, I feel honestly more empowered because I know what's happening now, right? Like, you, like I didn't know. I mean, I, of course, we know that certain things go on. But like the way that, like you said, it gets swept under the rug and, you know, it's not talked about or these things happen and that happen and there is no retribution for the survivors of these traumatic experiences. Excuse me. Um, you know, like that was crazy to me. Not that it happened, but the amount that it happens in the world. And so for me, it's empowering because, you know, I'm going to have kids one day. I'm going to have a wife. I have a, you know, a partner, a beautiful, amazing partner who I've been with for three years. Like, you know what I mean? And I and she feels very strongly about these things. And I need to be educated about it, period. I think every man needs to be educated about it. And when when you when you say one of the things that um, me and my girl always get into a conversation about is uh, there was this uh, shirt. The future is no. Uh, female or something yeah, like the that. The future is female. And I, uh, I always took a problem with that because it was such a definitive statement. And I was saying how, honestly, baby, 
I, I get what it's doing, and she always compares it to Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, I don't know if Black Lives Matter is as definitive as the future is female. For me, the future is female statement was always like, yo, we're going to take over, and you're going to feel the wrath of what you did to us, right? And for me, and... And because it was so definitive, it's saying this will be the future. And it took me a while to come around to the idea that um, it's not about being this absolute thing. It's literally saying that one day, like, you will understand us. You will see our plight. You will take from our plight and learn, and we can make this better. Um, and I think that's what we have to do as men. We have to have these conversations amongst ourselves. We have to continue to call each other out. Like, the, like honestly, bro, like there have been, I have more men who call me out in my circle. Uh, Parnash, you're one of them. Um, and who call me about out about certain things. And like, I also have to call my friends out about certain things that just aren't okay now. Like when I was a boy, I thought as a boy, but now as a man, I think like a man. Like I have to realize that things hurt, that people actually uh, don't like to be called certain things or don't want to be looked at or shamed in certain ways. And I listened to a song of mine from like, I don't know, like 10 years ago, bro, it's horrible, bro. It's the worst, worst shit ever because of the language I'm using. And in that moment, I, you know, I can't deny it. It's a part of my musical history. And I still love the songs, but there are just certain parts of them. I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Like, what the fuck were you talking about? Um, and it's what I was experiencing. It was where I was as a person. And so, you know, I think we have to have these conversations. I don't think that we can be afraid of um, or threatened by this because it's just a fucking human right, man. They have a human right to be and not have to feel afraid. And their story should be heard. I don't know if that negates who Kobe was as a man. One moment shouldn't negate who he was as a man. And again, I don't know him as a man. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't say Kobe Bryant was this person because, like you said, we never fucking know. We never know who a person actually is. And that's what I tell my girlfriend all the time. We don't know these people. Like, we think we understand them. We have no idea who these people are behind closed doors. You think doors. you know, but you have no idea. This yeah. is the diary of whoever <laughs> it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's something that should have its space for discussion. And, and I've definitely, I've benefited a lot from the arena of people I'm around where they force you to have these discussions. And the people that I'm around that force me to, to deal with how I was raised, some of the ideas that I've had growing up, some of the things that I've tried to grow out of, some of the things I'm still trying to grow out of. Um, but I, I do think it's important to have the conversations. And even if it's, if it's in a certain way, you're going to make mistakes. Like, I know there are going to be people who listen to this. It's like, why you got three dudes talking about what happens to women? Well, in our reality, in my mind, like, one of the first steps in stopping the assaults and the mistreatment of women is dudes policing themselves and talking to other dudes and being able to That's establish a, a culture of wanting change and being able to establish like, yo, we need to discuss amongst ourselves how we can change our actions and not put all of the burden and onus on women to then change us. Mm -hmm. um, 
But how do we do it? Is we're going to have to listen and learn from women and learn from the people that have experienced it. And that means being open to the conversation. I was, I was speaking to one of Melissa's family members about like white supremacy. And I was like, yo, I believe probably 85, 90% of white people are white supremacists without even trying. I don't mean they're racist. I don't mean they hate black people, but that they only read stuff by white people. They only support things that they've been told by white people. They only understand humanity through the lens of whiteness. And that's ethnocentric and in a certain way, white supremacists. And she was like, oh, so that's kind of like you're saying in the same way without trying, a lot of men are probably um, exhibit sexist tendencies towards women. And I was like, yeah. And she looked at me like, I think she'd expected me to fight back against that uh, to kind of prove her point or something. And it was like, no, I I probably do believe that, that without trying, most men probably do things that we unaware of are problematic. And so we have to discuss it. We have to get called on it. And it should be... And I guess in my mind, is there room to then learn from it? Like, I've been lucky where most of my friends who call me on stuff are doing that to give me the space to learn from it and change. And they don't go zero to 100 where they're like, you just said this. I'm never talking to you. They're like, yo, I've heard you say this a couple times. We need to talk about it. And then at that point, if I'm like, what, blah, 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 this women's movement and you hate men, then they're probably going to be like, all right, I'm I can't good. talk to you, yeah, dog. But there, but there is that space to grow and learn, you know. It's Oh, go ahead, Persh. It's difficult. A lot of this stuff is difficult for me because, like, a big part, of, I think, of my coming of age and especially of, like, how I learned to deal with women is, like, and may, I don't know if I got this from my mom, who was, like, a great lady, but she was a human being. She was very human. And so I don't, and I don't have that, like, don't talk about my mama or, like, I don't have that, like, there's this subtle, like, deifying or of 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 women that I that I don't I don't carry like a big revelation for me was like when I was especially coming up like when I was single and 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 trying to meet women and trying to date was like I would always think like I'm treating you like you're a better person than I am and you're probably not like you're probably an asshole just like me and you and you're petty when you want to be and you're this and that and you have your own oppressions that you face and your own forces that are probably pushing you that way uh, um and you, you but you're just another human being and like i for me like holding on to that and looking that clearly in the face was very important for me because um some never sat right with me when we there there seemed to be like this sort of uh like like a person can teach me anything but somebody having something to teach me inherent like they're inherently more it always felt like it was like they're inherently more ethical they're inherently more uh sensitive they're inherently more whatever it is because they're a woman and honestly it's not even that i disagree with that but it's more that it just felt it just that that notion feels patronizing. It feels like sometimes we're holding on to that because of the same way we do with with uh, that white America does with black Americans. Like, oh, I love Oprah. Like, that's a lot of overcompensation for what you know you did to you did to us. And so, like, to me, I'm very. It's very important to me, uh, and I revere and uphold a, a lot of women. But it's very important to me. I think it's disrespectful to not look at every person's humanity squarely. Like, and so I, I, I really have difficulty with that. Like I watched my parents go through a bitter divorce and I saw my dad be a piece of shit and I saw my mom be a piece of shit. 
you know, at different moments. And so I know that they're both men and women are equally capable of the fuck shit. And like, I, I think there's one realm though that really becomes over and obvious is force, size, and violence. And sure. So I, I think yeah, I, t- I definitely take that into account. That's that's very much t- I take that into account. But I also feel like. There's there's sometimes where we're not even honest about that. It's like well, if well, I'm a if I'm a fucking lion, I'm a lion. Like and there and there should be well, well to 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 stay on like a before going off into metaphor, yeah. the reality of should I be aware that I occupy space differently than most women, and so it's not about deifying or it's not about making assumptions or patronizing. It's there may be tons of women who don't want me in their space and would be afraid to say, get out of the space because they know I'm big enough to take it. And as men, a certain part of our upbringing is learning how to get other motherfuckers out of our space, even if they're bigger than you. And we are taught to fight in certain ways. We are taught to manage space and be prepared to, quote unquote, defend ourselves or be aggressors towards other men as part of the status quo. I think there is a benefit sometimes of recognizing historical imbalance and disparity. And so it's not to say that you patronize or you're somehow putting a human on a pedestal they shouldn't be on, but I think there is something to recognizing that you and I, if we get into a conflict and start yelling at each other and one of us stands up, you're physically bigger than me still. What? I feel like I'm I know, smaller I'm, than I'm you. Taller, <laughs> I'm taller <laughs> than you, but you're bigger than me. I don't know. The difference is, I learned when I was little, I got to be able to beat somebody's ass who's bigger than me. Because mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of bigger dudes who try to bully me. Yeah. And now nah, I'm a pacifist. I'm not trying I'm, I'm going to use my mind. I'm a Jedi mind trick that I'm ass. I'm ready before, to scrap right. it out, you know? though. <laughs> but I've been at shows where no one did nothing. I end up on the floor wrestling with somebody. Right. But I'm also not that small. Right, right. And luckily, I played sports and learned the like. There's leverage. There's other shit you can do when you're smaller than That's a motherfucker. A fact, bro. Yeah. But I can't expect that out of every female compatriot. I can't expect that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I think there's certain elements where we, in a way, do need to be cognizant of historical differences, or or do need to be aware that we don't have to walk on eggshells. But you know. You may punch the homie in the chest sometimes as a sign of affection. Don't do that to the homegirl all the time. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm for me. I'm along those same lines, which is like sometimes we want to act like we live in. Um, our world is so civilized and so sophisticated, and that's cool. But like, like I said, to go it, to stay out of metaphor. Everybody doesn't occupy space the same way, man or a woman. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if a, if there's a woman who walks through here who can beat my ass and she's not shy about it, that's something else, and 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 that's to be respected. Like, everybody is not occupying space the same way. It's we're all we're all equal as human beings, but every and just like every creature is, you know, however you want to put it, under God in the jungle. But like. Everything is not the same. A wolf is not the same as an otter. And like and when we we have laws and we have society and we and we live under that, but like there's a lot there's just a lot of there's just a lot of nuances that we 
don't want to look at because I think they live down there in the mud and we don't Or it's like just the reality that almost never are women running around beating dudes' asses at the rate at which oh, dudes yeah, for beat sure. up women. For sure, I think, that's I think very that's true. what he was saying, though. I think he tried to identify that point. I, I, when it's it, very rare, but all, all I'm saying is, yes, men are the physical... I'm, there's no question about that. Like, okay, I'm, that, just, I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, where yeah we're no, going I think he. I don't have any. I'm not. There's no question about that. But what I am saying is like that is when I go into a certain place. If I'm in a if I'm in a realm where I'm the shortest dude in the room, and there's a lot of rooms like that because I'm not very tall, I gotta know that, and I gotta respect that. Like as a man, um, or if I'm walking into a room where there's a lot of aggression. Where there's a lot of, if I'm walking to a room where I'm the only black dude and like nothing racist has happened, but like the energy is, you know what I mean? I got to respect that. And and there's something, there's like, there's all these sort of um, considerations that are alive in the world that we choose not to bring into the conversation. There's all these our talk a lot of times is very bloodless. It's not flesh and blood. It's not about the dynamics of the world. And that's the only thing that I, I feel that that is missing sometimes. Or, or like we may be in a milieu where we don't have to deal with that. More of an artist, lofty, you know, we're more in a, of a heady space. None of us are going to be really that big or that physical. It's rare in this sort of space and culture. That, but like that's not everywhere and that's not everyone. And so there's a lot of those things to to consider and like um uh that also means that sometimes that the the response is going to have to be a lot sharper and more cunning mentally or sometimes the response to anything that's happening in the world whether you're trying to defend someone defend yourself whether you're trying to just move around is going to have to maybe be um more physical just even in terms of your presence like i just this is just an example of what I'm saying. Like, my brain is always going to these other things that I feel like, well, but what about this? There's all these other smaller, like, little bubbles of hitches and wrinkles in, in the logic that I agree with, but I can't help but feel that other that other thing. You know what I mean? Like, so I can't help but feel that. I kind of want to interject here, and I'm not going to change the topic more. I'm going to jump off of what he just said, all of these other considerations of things that are going on in the world. Recently, Precious Gorgeous, you went on a rant on Facebook (laughs) about uh, something that Billie Eilish said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, again, me and my girlfriend have these conversations all the time. Uh, Billie Eilish was basically saying, uh, and this is like a loose loose rendition of what she was saying, but she was basically saying, um, you know, that's what's, uh, what's happening in rap right now is that a lot of people are lying. They're talking about all these women and guns that they have. And she's like, well, I know you as like a person and I know you don't have these things. And you were really upset by that. And you said, fuck Billie Eilish, fuck Miley Cyrus. You also remember that Action Bronson hasn't said, I'm sorry to Ghostface. Not directly. He right. did say I'm sorry, but not directly. Um, and so for me, I was like, you know what? There's two things that I looked at before, three, actually three things that I looked at in this situation that are, like you said, have to be considerations. Sure. One, I'm not looking for to Billie Eilish to tell me what's going on in hip hop. For sure. At all, one. I think she's super dope. I listened to her music. I wasn't really offended by what she was saying because I think I understand what she was trying to say that she didn't say well. Yeah. But I think I understand what she was saying. Two, 
um, when it comes to uh, her statement, because she didn't necessarily say, I know a couple of people in hip hop that are doing this, versus this is what hip hop is now. I think that's the struggle that I had with it, that she made this broad statement about hip hop as an entity when she hasn't heard all the hip hop in the world. I think she was talking specifically about people she knew. But no, she wasn't. She made a broad statement. What okay. she said was, this is what's happening in hip hop right now. Okay. okay. That's a broad statement, right? But the consideration that uh, my girlfriend brought up and that I was like, okay, I get that, that you have to have for this situation is she's still a kid. Mm-hmm. She just turned 18 years old. Yeah. So what's problematic about that statement? She just turned 18? She just turned 18. Um, what's problematic about that statement, I'm not even sure if she sees yet. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. even sure if she sees the fact that because you said this is what's happening in hip hop and you made this broad statement about something that you literally could not have known because you've never heard Precious Gorgeous rap. You've never heard Parnhash rap. You've never heard Carrie Blue rap. So just by that knowledge, there's no way that you can say this is what's happening in all of hip-hop. What I can say is, though, um, we have to take into consideration that she is a young white woman and the problematic parts of her statement, I'm not sure if she quite understands but in that same token because she made that broad statement about hip-hop uh whether she meant to or not because maybe she was just talking about the people but when you make that broad statement about hip-hop i think a person who does hip-hop and does the opposite of what you're saying has full right to say fuck you i I mean so i agree with you but i don't agree with you i'm y'all get me hyping here uh they're liars, these goddamn rappers. What do you expect her to say? But that's she, what she was saying, she, though. I know. I don't, exactly I don't know why anyone's saying. mad. I've been saying this for I don't know how long. Motherfucking lying-ass rappers, they own some bullshit. <laughs> and, and, and it takes a goddamn 17-year-old white chick for anyone to listen. And, that's and a it's fact. like, yo, what? <laughs> All right, let me calm down real quick. Well, and now, I, I think motherfuckers have to also... I get what you're saying, but I also think she has to make that statement and define what she means. You Why? can't say Why? all of hip because she you don't say, do that. You say, don't you don't say the B word in your raps. You don't talk yo, about guns in your raps. Yo. And as hype as you're getting, I see that you don't believe in that. So to say that all of hip hop is doing that is false. It's, it's not to say all of hip hop. She doesn't know anything about all of hip hop. Exactly. That, that, That's why now, you can't make that statement. Now we're back to my initial point of what legitimacy and credence do we give certain people? And what do we expect them to have an awareness of, right? This person has been making music in an industrial sense for the past, I don't know, three, four years in public. So all she knows about rap are going to be people she meets, right? And why is it that these rappers that are on labels and are funded by a whole bunch of old white people and I get all the distribution, I get all the TikTok views and get all the SoundCloud plays and all the Spotify playlists, all these, again, are white companies, exude this false image. And so she's reflecting the false entertainment world that she's a part of. She don't get to see real life amongst us. She doesn't get to see that, quote unquote, in the hood, there are people that where the grandmother, the parents, and a kid all live in the same house. They all got jobs, and they all trying to figure out how to make the family work. What they hear about is Alabama sell dope in a trap, and it's always fake. And so I think this is a great time for us to start questioning 
the media perspective of our culture in general. But what she's saying is true to her, that she grew up listening to rap, met rappers, and she finally hit the, like, oh, shit, it's all fake wall. Mm-hmm. And we all run into that. Like I When I was, no, when I was I growing up listening to hip-hop, then I started meeting them, and I was like, oh, damn, dudes like Project Pat are, like, nice in person. And then dudes like so-and-so conscious rapper is an asshole who just groped my homegirl. It's a lie. Some of these conscious motherfuckers are not conscious, and some of these hood motherfuckers actually live out in the suburbs now and are really nice and send their kids to private schools. And it takes sometimes us to hit that wall of the industry shit is fake. So I'm glad she's telling people. I get it, too. But I also think when you make a statement like that, you have to define what you're saying in a way that really speaks to the truth of the situation in a clear manner. You can't just make off-the-wall statements and make general statements because this has been your experience, because you haven't experienced everything. So you can't literally, my only problem with what she says, I agree with you. I think she is speaking her truth about what she has seen. I think she has the right to say, because I think the interviewer was asking her about how she write, like her process and like authenticity in it. And like, and she was basically saying, you know, this isn't how I, like I choose to be as authentically me as I possibly can. And she was comparing it to what's going on in hip hop. But the fact, that you chose to use hip hop means you chose to speak on something that you don't have all the facts on, right? A couple of your friends, and I know for a fact, cause I follow Billie Eilish and I fuck with Billie Eilish like hard. Like, you know what I'm saying? She recorded uh, Ocean Eyes when she was 13 and I love that song and I've been rocking with her for a long time. My thing is though, when you speak to something, that's like me saying like, uh, yeah, man, that's how it is, man. You know, white people be racist, bro. White people just racist. I don't know every white person, so I can't say that every white person is racist. I'm sorry, you can't say that. And when, when, when that narrative is controlled by a certain particular type of person, then this continuation of what Miley Cyrus did, of what Post Malone did, and what they say, how they use the culture, and then they take... It's fuck Post Malone, too. Yeah, uh, they, they like too. use the culture, and then they're like, uh, but they're this, not really this great. It's like, come on, man, you can't do that, bro. This is so wild to me that... Hey, normally we in here with you defending all type of celebrity malfeasance and bullshit. Life and, is messy. And now you talking about fuck this teenager. You know what I'm saying? That's the only problem that I had with it. I was like, bro, she's a teenager. She doesn't see clearly what she's saying. It. I mean, so help me understand this, Ralph. The, well, I'll go back to something I said earlier, which is there's a very often times I think it's I think it's the norm in life that two things can be true and they're completely contradictory. I think Billie Eilish is great. I love her album. I think she's awesome. I love that she's doing what she's doing so young, no matter how the music is coming together or whether it's all her and her brother or there's other people, whatever it is, the music is cool and it's interesting and she's inspiring a young kid. Right now it's fuck Billie Eilish and fuck Miley Cyrus because we all love Ghostface in here, right? To say, to say we, we respect Ghostface I don't love him, to, but to a certain I, degree. I appreciate him for who he is in the culture. Ghostface is a dude from New York who grew up in the projects, sold crack, right? Sold whatever he sold in the in the in the late 80s, early 90s to make some to make some money. Maybe. Maybe. But I know my dad came from a similar place and I do know he sold crack. Because he ended up I know he sold crack. Because I watched him. I know what it smells like and I shouldn't. 
You see me. You see, you know what I mean? I'm wearing a pink sweater right now. I should not know what crack smells like. I know exactly what it smells like. And I know what it looks like. So it's not that far-fetched. I know, I know how many motherfuckers are out here doing it because I grew up in it. So it's, this guy was selling crack, pushing crack. All the Wu-Tang members were from rival crews. They, they're all going through shootouts, going duck in jail, doing whatever they got to do to survive in crusty-ass Staten Island for 30 years going through shows where they're fighting their way through the crowd. You know, whatever, whatever treatment that they're getting, they're, all they have is each other. They're treated like shit to, to, against all odds, become a cultural icon and create a style that, that really has never been seen before, create such an original and unique style that there's... That is not easy. So for some white dude to come out and be like, oh, he's not rapping like this no more when he gave birth to you, my nigga. That could have been my father. Fuck you. For you to for you just come and stand on his shoulders, take everything that he gave, and, and then be like, oh, he's not rapping like me no more. You should have said his name in the apology. That's what you owe him. And you should have did it on camera like you said the fuck shit you said. Because the people that he may, he may, maybe own his masters now. Maybe. But everyone that came before him and, and inspired him, they don't own shit. They, they, Chuck Berry toured till he died. And Elvis is the king of rock and roll. Fuck them. And I love all their music. And I love all their shit. And I love what they contributed. And I don't know if Elvis was racist. If he, if he, if he wasn't, then it's cool. But as long as you're saying it, it's cool. Because, because they also, I can't blame them. Because if I was white, I probably would have done the same thing. I would go ahead and run with it and make that money. Because I'm probably poor too. So I'm not mad at Billie Eilish for dressing like Missy. I'm not mad at Billie Eilish for using all trap beats in her shit. I'm not mad at Billie Eilish for doing the, tr the trap cadence in her, in, her, in her songs. I'm not mad at Billie Eilish that all her production sounds like yay and sounds like um, uh, Jesus is King, all minimalist. And, and uh, I'm not mad at her for that. But don't you come out of your face and talk shit and fuck me and Parnhash. Don't talk shit about any of the trap kids either because they're from a place that you don't understand. Fuck you. Because you're taking all their shit, you take all their swag, and then you come in and then you come and act like, then you go ahead and distance yourself once, once Variety or, or Vanity Fair or whoever it is embraces you. Once the white establishment embraces you, now oh, I don't really, I was just slumming. You know, I, I have to interject. I, it's it's kind of interesting that you just said what you said, especially about her uh, dressing like Missy, because I agree, and we see the influence, whether she knows the influence is there or not. But, She's just a kid. I, I but agree the thing with is, Hold on, hold on. But the kid. thing is, Billie Eilish's reason for dressing the way she does is so she's not objectified. If she wears yeah. loose clothing then she's like, you can't see what's under here. And I, I'll never forget it. And, and uh, you know, I have to, in those situations where I see, like, a disparity and I know information, I'm definitely going to step in and be like, I feel what you're saying, but I don't know if this is all the way that in this situation. Uh, there was a situation. They just represent post Billy Miles. They I just that. represent. I get that. But you, we can't say something. that she is pulling from this particular place of influence, possibly, of course, possibly, but we can't say that she's necessarily pulling from this when her own life has affected how and why she does a certain thing. White culture in America is, I want to say, 95% drawn off of black yes, culture. Yes, but again, that's why I asked in the beginning of this thing, are we our color first or are we a woman first? Right now, she's a woman and she wears these clothes so that she won't be objectified because as soon as she took that clothes off and wore a tank top, 
like 42 year old men were kind of like, yo, like yeah, I didn't know her titties were that there's big. There's different like, ways to do that. She looks just like Miss. She looks. She's wearing baggy. All that shit is straight. All that shit, all that skate culture, all that shit is straight pulled off of, at least in part, the, uh, the tree of black culture. Yeah, I, I'm not I denying it. I'm I, just I saying we also have to take into consideration. If if I were said. to have to create some type of flow chart on, on what's derivative of what, there are plenty of ways you could stay androgynous or non-objectified without stealing hip-hop culture. And there are plenty of just plain ass white people that figured out how to do it who had nothing to do with hip hop. I I think I in know, entertainment. Hold on, let me get to the thing, Carrie. I think one of the issues of pop music right now is it is inherently derivative of black culture while wanting to abstain from black culture and while wanting to marginalize black culture. Mm. So when you listen to pop music now, they're doing rap cadences. Oh, facts. Yeah. And Rap they're adding their melodies, they add in a vocoder, auto-tune, pitch correct, whatever else it is to make sure it doesn't sound like rap to people who but are But we untrained. invented that too. But we brought that too. I'm, I, you're not pulling that okie-doke on me. And so I do understand what Ralph's saying is that it is derivative. It is, it is biting. It is, in a way, like uh, appropriating and misappropriating and, and doing the, like, we want this little part of your culture that we think is cool while we don't want you in the room. And that's always problematic. But... I'm I'm saying with the content of the message, I'm they're liars, all right. And that these but that's for us to, to say though. That's not but, for her to say. That's not her business. She's talking to the feds. Shut this, your ass up. You that's not your business. This is this is though in the reality of <laughs> niggas is pot in the day, boy. And, and, and this is to me, I think a, a great conversation of once you are so hot, monkey, that you out in the middle of the street selling dope. You're going to be mad that the neighbor walking by on the way to the bus stop is like, oh, I seen him selling dope. Mm. Nah, you too hot. Mm. It's, it's not like these dudes are keeping it low. These rappers are out on Front Street with all the hot monkey business. One of the neighbors is like, yo, this is what it looks like. That's not, it's, it's, it's like, yo, you got to be aware you can't do too much. And, and right now the falsehood and the like totally fake nature of hip hop is spilling over. Of some hip-hop artists. I don't disagree, but no one ever knows the full breath, bro. And that's the problem. And we need to push that narrative. We need to start saying this isn't all of hip-hop. But people, there's a reason Tyler, the creator, won best rap album and not pop album or best album, period. That wasn't a fucking rap album. It wasn't a rap album at all. But they want to continue, they want to continue to group every black person together in this like cluster of black and urban. And it's like, bro, I get that. And I totally agree with you. I agree with what Billy said. But my thing is, like Precious Gorgeous said, one, I'm not looking to you for this information. There are other people that I'm sure that are not authentic that you could have pulled from your own culture, from your own knowledge, and said, you know what I mean? Like, Taylor Swift and fucking Katy Perry had beef for a reason. Because Taylor Swift was like, bitch, you fake. I don't like you. She didn't need to go to hip-hop and say what she did. But if you are going to go to hip-hop and say what you did, you can say and you can point out and make clear that, you know what, this isn't all of hip-hop, but I know a lot of hip-hop artists who play this role and who are fake behind closed doors, and they're not really living the life that they're talking about, because then the narrative is, 
okay, there are human beings inside of this instead of just black people. But I don't like the fact that we are not asking her. I don't, again, I don't disagree with what she said necessarily. I disagree with how she said it and the narrative that is being continuously pushed by this particular statement on this particular platform. I don't like it. We talked earlier about redemption and how much credence we give to that and how much, whether or not we can, that's something we can appreciate, that's something we can uphold, that's something we can honor. And maybe people who've done things that are we could say reprehensible. I've hurt the community. And I have never understood, um, or it's very stark to me that we don't offer that to, uh, you know, we all work in education. We all teach kids. And I know a bunch of kids who, if they got a record deal right now, they would do exactly what YMO Melly or who, whoever these kids are that are doing it right now. Uh, they would do exactly that because they don't, they don't, they don't know any better yet. But and, to be honest, so, though, Melly so really did live that life. Right, but whatever, whatever it is, they're, 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 going, they're going to... We don't give them room to grow. Not every rapper starts off as Nas and then grow. We don't give these young people the, the, the room to be Mike Tyson in 88 to be Mike Tyson right now. And that is why sometimes it seems like I'm defending these people because I'm like, yo, if... I'm a, I'm a hair's breadth away from being that. All my cousins, or most of my cousins are that, are, 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 th are those people. And the only difference between me and them is maybe that my dad didn't let me go outside quite as much, and, and I wanted to be inside reading comic books anyway. But otherwise, there's no difference between me and them. And so I'm always wary of judging these people too harshly because if you judge them now, it may... They they may buck against it. It may not give them the room to grow and change. I I find that a lot of artists when they find uh, consciousness when they start to do things that are that are more positive is is after they've they've gotten an opportunity they've they've had room where there was generosity. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm calling bullshit, and it actually goes the opposite ways. Is that usually the longer people are in the industry, the farther away from any type of authenticity or originality they get. Sure, you have some rappers that turn old and need to then market themselves differently. Yeah. And so you have like, you know, Snoop Lion emerges. How, how many albums did that last for? One? How, how long was, was we on that reggae, let's save the world and be peace tip before we went back to let me make sure I do some crip raps? You know what I'm saying? Oh, you wanted to go to the White House and couldn't. And now, once you did, then you're like, cool, and now I'm back to my regular shit. And what normally happens is the more people are intertwining the money of entertainment, the faker it gets. And when it comes to blackness, the more they realize it's really difficult to sell non-negative images of blackness. And so I rarely see people all of a sudden get the light and... and you know, you get Juicy J who's like, damn, I feel bad about how I've contributed to the drug culture. Well, he just released a song about two, three days ago uh, with Lil Jon, and it's about how Crunk ain't dead. Ain't nothing changing that music. And so, like, I, I, I'm I, on some old, tell them when they're young. When I work with high school kids and they start popping that shit, it's like, you you 14, you 15. You're in a school right now. What you talking about? You on the block all day trapping. You're lying. Yeah. I tell that to my guy. I will say this though, to that point of giving uh, the young people room to grow. I also, the, uh, to add to that too, it's also like everybody's got to get credit for everything. So if Snoop's getting credit for that, 
or even like this is a perfect example. When I watch GGN, you watch, watch GGN News. He has a he has an interview show where he interviews people for like half an hour, and like he'll have the girl with their with their titties out in the bikini, blah blah, and he's talking that shit. But he also like has a really nice conversation where they t- where people the people talk about their difficulties and and their growth and things like that. So like even if it's even if it's a a whole thing of of just negative and there's just little positivity that's speckled in there to me. Yo, that's that's diamonds in there. I, will, I, I do not under, I will overvalue every positive thing that every person does because I think everyone is inclined to just doing the negative and being self-seeking. So any positive thing that anybody does, I'm going to encourage that, especially because hopefully that encouragement, and, and it may not work, but that encouragement is going to make them go, oh, I can win doing it, doing it this way. But I, I just feel like, I, I I have never felt like this sort of call out culture that we do does anything but get somebody to stop getting in trouble. It doesn't. I don't think it leads to essential uh, change at the core, I'll, and I think that is possible. I'll say this though. I'll say to Precious, your point of um, we don't give them room to become better and grow. One of the things that Billie Eilish said in that article was, nobody ever told me that I had rules. So I always did what the fuck I wanted to do anyway. So I believe that there are times where uh, when you're black, we have to be a certain type of black to be accepted by, you know, by America, by society. Whereas I think white kids, white young people have way more room to just do whatever the fuck they want to do because they're protected in that doing whatever the fuck they want to do. And I think one of the problems that I have is that uh, even Tupac said, if a black man most times doesn't say what he has to say by the age of 30, then he's always going to be silenced and he's going to be caught in this perpetual loop of being the thing that everybody believes that he is. Now, that doesn't have to be, but we have seen it in society and we do see it. So, Chris, to your point about like these people get older and they've been puppets all of their career and they still have to feed their family, you know what I mean? Like, what else do you do? But when you have somebody like Billie Eilish, who at 13 can walk through the house and say, I don't give a fuck, I'm not doing that to her parents, and, you know, all of these things, that doesn't happen most times a lot. From what I've seen, that does not happen from what I've seen in most black households. Like, it's just not. They're like, our discipline is different. It's just different. <clears throat> we, we, we respect different and we move differently when it comes to raising kids. And I think that people like Billie Eilish can say the things that they say and can see the world the way they see it. And they have an easier time being authentic to themselves because they have the room to discover what that means and mess up and make those mistakes without as many repercussions as some of our black uh, youth do. I want to ask a question, though. I'm also wondering 
where responsibility lies within the folks that are part of the hip hop community and black people in general, and that why you got 40 and 50 year olds still supporting some of this ignorant, violent music, or why you got folks who are championing like making it. And, it. and it makes me wonder about like where the control is and the fear. I saw an interview with J. Cole, and someone asked about like basically the effect of the culture on blackness. So, the was this the one with Ryan Coogler? I'm not sure who was who was asking the questions, um, but he was on a panel situation. There was one interview person and just him, and asking about like the drug talk or whether or not some of the the motifs that are pushed in hip hop reinforce it and have an effect, a negative effect on the culture. And you could see J Cole being afraid to answer the question. He didn't want to offend certain people, and he was like, yeah. you know, it's really hard, like, in understanding that hip hop changes the lives of some of these artists, and they're yeah. able to provide for their family, and they're able to have a living out of it, and they're able to really change the circumstances of them and their friends, or them and their families, and sometimes even members of their neighborhoods, and this and that. And the distance there is because, like, he didn't realize that how big of a problem heroin was for black people. Or he didn't realize, he always thought heroin was a white person's drug. Oh, yeah, I he think I saw this. Yeah. But, like, all these kids on lean or on the Percocets, they're basically, like, getting heroin, addicted yeah. to heroin. And I found it really interesting how nervous he was answering his question when he's not nervous talking about bitches in his trip club. How many rappers aren't nervous about talking about shooting another black but man? But he's also let made me, let me get through it. Let me, about let me, those let me get through what I'm in saying. Interviews. Let me get through what I'm saying. All the time, motherfuckers have no fear at all saying negative shit about us, our culture, and what we do, and are shook to death to say anything positive, to question the authority, or to question what other rappers are doing. And that means something to me. It means there's some invisible forces going on that are visible to me, because I work in entertainment, I can tell you about them. But it lets you know that there are people who are gatekeepers being like, this type of shit will get you shelved. You say certain things, you will not be on these media platforms. Now, you can talk about robbing black people, killing black people, raping black women, putting drugs in their drink, and all this other shit. But you can't say stuff to where we question authority or we question the people who run the power centers. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I think saying J. Cole is, like, not the best example. Yeah, and I'll I say this. Say now, I will example. say, I will say no. that, you know, he will say the word bitch every once in a while, bad bitch, this, that, and the other. I also just did a poll, and I can't speak to every woman <clears throat> in the world and how they uh, spill about this. This one. Uh, I said, yo, I just wrote a song, and I, because I before I was like, I don't really want to use bitch in, like, my lyrics and stuff anymore. So on Instagram, I did, like, I was like, yo, women, I wrote this song. In the song, I referenced bad bitch. Um... And I said, how do you feel about it? Like, is this offensive? Is this a word that men can't say uh, because it's a woman's word to take back, kind of like nigga for black people? Or do you just not give a fuck? I had eight women of all different cultures, of a bunch of different cultures, black, white, other stuff, just say, I am a bad bitch. I don't care. Most of the, it, it, one of them was like, you know, I'm I'm not mad about that. J. Cole also has, in a lot of uh plat on a lot of platforms, being like, this is fucking. That's what this whole KOD. That's what the whole album is about. Drugs being bad. So like, I get what you're saying, but that's a bad example. It, because actually, I actually it's, have it's actually, looked at many, if not all, of J. Cole's interviews. It's actually a a great example because a he is 
touted as one of the quote unquote conscious rappers, and he's afraid to say the truth. But that was and, one uh, interview that, that you've seen. Like I've you can't. Seen, say, I've that's seen what you're more, doing. What Billy did. I actually am not because I am well informed on this. I've seen more than one interview with J Cole. I've seen, more, and I'm not just talking about him specifically. And so let's not. But dwell. that's what you have to say. You let's, have to define that in the conversation. I don't have to do anything. You do. You have and to this define is, this. Con- this if we're is, having a conversation hey, where we're going somewhere, hey, you have to define the conversation. One when of, you don't define the conversation, people just say random ass shit. It's not my fault if you make false assumptions. What I'm saying is that rappers are afraid, and an example of it is J. Cole. I didn't root this in. He's the only one and should be the only thing to focus on. What I'm saying is, why in our culture is it acceptable to talk about shooting black people, robbing black people, raping women, but we can't question the authority? But he we, has. We, and I, and I don't see it. There's a difficulty. And this whole about, album was hold about. Hold I'm hold talking on. about in interviews. I'm talking about there's, when you're speaking to people. There's a difficulty there because I think what we're talking about is respectfully subjective because we can all look at maybe an interview or a song and gather different things from it. Show take, me, show me, different. show me one rapper that's actively and and not when Meek Mill decides to say, "Oh, these rappers are getting shitty record deals." Name me, and it's not just when Mace is like, well, yo, Puffy, why are you telling the record industry, treat us better? You don't oh, treat us right. That was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Why, why do you have such a fear amongst rappers to talk about how the industry actually works I mean, until they're out of it? So, so here's an example I would use that could be refuted because anything can be refuted. In J. Cole's song, 1985. 1985. You know, I'm talking about when they talk. When they get asked these questions, when they go on these panels, when they're doing media, when they go to the radio stations. Angie Martinez and then did an interview with Lil Peep and told Lil Peep, bro, like, you don't have to turn a drug. I think the difficulty difficulty that's here is that any of these things can be, you can refute anything that we offer and 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 it, and, and it could be done credibly or, but we could or, also present the argument or you could present examples that prove me wrong and what, what happened is that it's you, just can't do it. you, because you become the sole beat. arbiter of what's of what's right and wrong no 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 we're not playing this game the reality is part of that little peep interview stuff was because he was going on tour with a bunch of those trap rappers and didn't want to alienate an audience. It was J. Cole and, and uh, Young Thug were on tour together, and he started popping at some of the young rappers, got some pushback, and his label was like, you can't do that, bro. All right? And so I, I'm, I, this isn't subjective. This is show me the interviews instead I, I, of when I see... How can you prove that? When, all, I can show you. When Lil Baby goes on whatever radio say he talks about shooting other black people. He doesn't talk about the other things in his life. He doesn't say, actually, guns are bad. I almost go to charge. You can see Vlad TV. How many people go in there from Chicago and then talk about more gang and violence and shit, and they're not talking about the underhanded stuff that is being done to our communities. Rappers have been trained right now that in their public presentation, they're allowed to say all types of things that denigrate black culture, but they are not allowed to and are afraid to question the white authoritarian system. They're afraid to question the people that run these labels. They're afraid to question the motherfuckers that run the media and who write their checks. This is but the one question that I have is, can you prove that that in, that was can you prove can you prove do you have evidence to prove that that is J. Cole's intention for having to sit down with Lil Pete? Can you show me an example of rappers that are not afraid to question the system and when they are questioned about it, they have to tiptoe to not offend the people that they're making money with? Uh, oh no, but I would I would do the same. I would also tiptoe around people I was making money with. I don't I don't see that as anything but human. If I'm in business with somebody and I respect them as a person. I'm going to be careful of how, like, there's certain, if somebody asks me something about you, 
like I'm gonna be careful how I answer it, you know, because out of respect for you. So like I don't understand. Like that to me is a very human consideration. It's also one of those things too because I'll never forget when YG was first blowing up on the scene. Uh, J. Cole was one of the first people he went on the road with. And J. Cole was in an interview, and YG was like, YG's really about that life. He comes from that life, and like even till this day is there. He, he backs away from it, right? But one of the things that he said was, when I went on tour with Cole, uh, I think this is one of his earlier 105 uh, joints. When I went on tour with Cole, you know, I it was some drama back home, and Cole was like, look, my G, like, you know, I, I, I love what you do, and I want you on this tour. He was like, but, bro, you got to leave that stuff alone. He was like, bro, because that's going to end up getting you killed. And he was like, that's not what I'm about. Now, of course, J. Cole's not going to tell him what to talk about because YG is from that life. Like, he really from that life, from what I know and what I've seen. You know what I'm saying? And he's not afraid to say that he's from that life. But even... Even J. Cole being like, bro, like, if you're going to be on this tour, like, you got to leave that behind because that shit ain't no good for you. That's like, you know what I'm saying? And both of them have, both of them have substantiated that story. And it was just YG said it first, and then, you know, the interviewer asked him about it, and he was just like, yeah, man, because that's killing a lot of us. Why would we want right. to why would, why would continue in that shit? Right, and then make a whole record about, all that stuff, and but so he I, didn't. I, but you, I'm, 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 I'm not focused that J. on Cole's J. Cole. Made a record about I, can y'all let go of J. Cole? I'm giving an example of every rapper I ever see get interviewed does the same thing. Where if they get approached with any of these topics of what responsibility do we have the community? Does the music that we make have a negative effect on us? They always give you some bullshit platitudes, and you can tell they're shook and they're afraid to talk about it. And maybe they're. And that's all I'm talking about is like, why is it as a as a social phenomena that rappers can say anything about violence, death, killing, rape and get away with it? But if they start questioning certain components of the industry, the, the system running it or the people in power, all of a sudden they get silenced. All of a sudden they are afraid. All of a sudden, they start getting all uh, 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 and start stuttering. I just feel like there's a difficulty there, in because because you're you're talking about a phenomenon that, and for me, I watch I watch at least two three. My average is two three interviews a day. I watch a lot of interviews. I'm constantly watching oh, interviews. So, so, so give me an example. Then you should have seen where well, one of these street this rappers. Is, this is difficult because you and I will see one interview very differently. I, you cannot name me an interview to where somebody starts getting into how come we're fed these negative images. And they know it. They're in the boardrooms with these people that come up with the bullshit marketing schemes. But Chris, what I'm saying is the reason that there's a difficulty is because you and I will see that differently. So I'll show you something and 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 you most likely will not see it the way that I see I, it. I literally, I'm asking, name me an interview where they get into it. With uh, any artist or J. Cole? No, with not J. Cole. Let's you leave him out of the conversation so y'all can let go of I mean, there's the, there's the, there's the, um, there's the uh, Fade the Black video, the, the interview with Jay, where he's, it's, he's on camera and there's one artist talking about how he cannot be himself because that's not going to sell. And Jay-Z says, turn the camera on me audience do you see what you do to these black men they are afraid to be themselves that so he's agreeing with me 
Yeah. Yeah. And then doesn't say anything about it and all the other stuff that he does. But and now, and now, and now, he talks about on, it all the time. And now works with the NFL. But see, that's 444, that's what 444 is about, bro. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're making very these different. statements. I think we perceived, I don't think you're wrong. I think we all just perceive these things differently. I think we read them differently. We're, 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 we're getting different messages from these things. And that is fair. And that is valid. I and I cannot that say that just, you, I think you are a very savvy and very perceptive person. So I have to trust that you are seeing what you are seeing for a reason. But I have to say that I, I think it's very possible that you and I would watch several interviews and get very different things from them. I, I think you're talking about the macro too, when you should be specifically like, uh, when you should be specifically giving this a micro look, like not everybody is doing that. Like, and it, I, like I you're making await, this I statement await. that rappers are. He just I, gave you I one. Await. I gave you one. Wait, like, wait, wait, wait. So Jay Z saying that young rappers. There's a whole bunch of other stuff confused. before that actual statement. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff before that statement. But when he, the ending point was, you see what y'all have done to these men who can't be themselves and have to lie in all of their raps. There's a whole bunch of stuff. You'll have to watch it. But I've, I've, we, you asked for an interview. About. Wale has said stuff about it. Meek Mill has said and stuff about it. And then look at the it. music like, they go out and make. And so look. But that's what they know, bro. And, like, and I think you're, you're shortchanging the intelligence of these black people. I'm not. And, what and I'm saying hold, is hold on, what bro, they like, want to talk about in their music. They don't get to talk about what they want to talk about. That's my point. It's like when you got writing teams and you got motherfuckers who bring you the song, you don't get to choose what you want to rap about. You know what I'm saying? And it also baffles me that you got a, you got how many artists and it's that easy to believe that this is what blackness is. It's easier for motherfuckers who hear rap to believe that all these motherfuckers know is trap shit and guns and violence instead of believing that they do have other perspectives or that there are other things they are aware of and could think about and rap about. J. Cole said the I same think thing. There's the, there's a, uh, yeah, I've, and I've heard him say that. I think there's a difficulty because I also, when, you do, when you're describing the, 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 the music, like, I don't hear that. I don't hear th another person who's who in interviews. I feel like has been. Uh, I feel like Nipsey was very, I very was much talking about these things. Thing, and I think his protege, uh, uh, rest in peace, Nipsey, his protege Roddy Rich talks about a lot of these same things. Facts. Wale. I, but, wait, I, wait, wait, I, wait. I literally just heard the song where Roddy Rich was talking about bodying somebody. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not. Yeah, I don't, I don't, and this is what's just disappointing to me, man, is that the bar has been set so low that a motherfucker can put out an album with 95% of disrespect on it. They say one quote for about read a book or like, I'm a pro black because <laughs> I, I know who Marcus Garvey is. And motherfuckers are like, oh, look, he actually cares about the community. It's some bullshit, man. I mean, I, I feel you, bro, but I'm just saying in making the statement, we can't see. We can't say that all of these rappers are doing that because scared. not all they of these. They scared. They see? shook. They shook. And I watch interviews like this. This is the thing. I don't come off like I am buried in contemporary hip hop. But my, I literally don't make a living outside of art and entertainment stuff. And so I may not talk about it a lot because it doesn't behoove me. But I watch these Vlad interviews. I watch these interviews on The Breakfast Club. I listen to some of these podcasts and get little excerpts from when Wayne is on Drink Champs. I'm not oh, unaware was fired, of, of what's going on. 
And I am very comfortable, and if people could show me some examples, but I'm very comfortable that these mainstream artists are shook. They scared, and they are, do not want to lose that meal ticket, and that meal ticket is tied to negative imagery of blackness. But I feel like there are so many people who are so much bigger than the, the quote-unquote industry. Like right now, J. Cole puts his music out on Dreamville. Dreamville is his he, label, he, he, bro. He got, like, what, what video I just saw where it was him, the baby, and another rapper? And you listen to yeah, the content on, the on that song. Yeah, and they on the steps. And he does that. He is a code switcher. And again, I don't want to talk about J. Cole. I don't give a fuck about a singular artist. My point was that it was an example of when you have an artist that famous, because he's made a lot of money. That's what I'm saying. And he's afraid. That's my point, is that when you have someone that's in that position of power and they're still afraid, then what happens to everyone else? It means they definitely are shook that. But you keep saying they're afraid, and I don't know that I agree that they're afraid because they have made the statements that you're saying that they haven't made. And and they records they don't. If, If you have 15 songs and then go and do one radio interview where in one sentence you like, oh yeah, the black community needs it. He made a whole you know album. Again, I, I like keep saying this, but like, yeah, things. bro, like that's what I'm saying, bro. Like that's not true. Like your base, your base example this for is, what this you're is saying is annoying wild, that you're bro. fixating on one artist well, then, when I'm not. I feel like I am, I feel like but that's your other, base example. I feel like there's your other artists I named four other examples. I named the baby and his interviews. But the baby... He cops to that though. The baby cops to that. This is what I. This is what I am, and I'm just gonna say it. I don't I've, give a I've, fuck. I've like, named. I don't know how you can go through the. And list. we have too. And we've I, also I told Roddy you people Rich. who talk I've about named, shit. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've named other artists, and you're fixating on that one. My point, and no one has been able to name. Who is actually calling out the gatekeepers in hip hop? We literally who, just who is, said Wale, well, I think it's hold, Nipsey hold on, Hussle. Hold on, like, hold on. They they actually aren't. Like, like in the idea of what interview, where do you see any of them actually by name? The, the closest you get is Dame Dash when he went on his culture vulture thing where he started naming Leo Cohen. He started naming some of these marketing people. Yeah. Joe Bud does naming, it all the time. Started naming some of these white folks who profiteer from the destruction of our community. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I'm keeping it macro because it's not about an individual artist. It's about how in general that Billie Eilish had more courage to say shit about how fake rap is than the hundreds of rappers that already know the truth. But it's easy to say something when you don't have a fucking stake in it, my G. Like, what are you talking about? Billie Eilish doesn't live a hip-hop life. It's actually more important to say something when you're tied to the community. It's actually more important. And that's what actually shows some type of courage or shows some type of, of... I think personality is when you do have something to lose and you're willing to say it. And it shows how scared these rappers are. But we are are also telling you people who talk about this stuff all the time. And and you're you're also, and hold on. What another thing that you're doing is, is what I don't like. It's like when you get into an argument with your partner at home and you're like, yo, I wash the dishes. Uh, I've been washing dishes and you're not washing dishes. And she's like, well, tell me one day that I didn't wash dishes. You want me to specifically tell you a specific interview. And I'm like, my G, I know I've seen the interview. Just like you tell her, yo, I know you didn't wash the dishes. And I can't think of what day it was right now. But like, that's what you're trying to get 
get me to do. And all, it's not all fair, I'm doing bro, is like, it's for people listening because the for only, them to observe. I don't need to convince you of anything. I don't need I to know. convince Ralph of anything. I get you. I don't need to I'm convince saying, but like, of anything. What I'm asking is for people that hear this, just start being aware. Just start noticing. What is said and what is done in media when it comes to images of blackness and who is actually challenging the authority? That's all I'm asking. I have a homie, uh, his name is Jonathan Kaplan. He's done some shows with you as a comic. And uh, he, he, uh, he loves uh, illustration. He takes drawing classes, really good at drawing, blah, blah. And he has said to me over, and he loves pa- like classical painters and classical art, and he said to me over and over, yo, I hate abstract art. It's bullshit. It's a bunch of rich trust fund people who are just, the, the whole art is really the the mission statement uh, underneath the painting. The paintings are bullshit. It's dumb. It's, he doesn't get anything from it. And I happen to think abstract art is like really cool, and like I look to it for, for a lot of inspiration, especially when I'm writing raps and writing songs. A lot of times when I compose a beat or write a rapper make a song I see an abstract uh, image in my head and that is what I'm composing the song around so I get a lot out of this thing that he as as an aficionado as somebody who really studies art gets nothing out of and I think it's uh, I think we can really underestimate how much it's like is it, I, I don't really care for Cat Williams Anya Cat Williams is her favorite stand-up and I know she's not the only one we I think it's very in, important to, and I think I know a lot about comedy. I think I'm a really, I think I'm an aficionado in comedy and on music. I think we all feel that, but I think it's really important for us to recognize and honor because these things you're talking about when these people don't say anything. I didn't grow up in a household. I didn't watch Roots. All of my education and knowledge about about blackness, about being an American black, about culture, about society, about how to live, about what to respect, about uh, what what to honor, what's important in our value system. I learned these things from Jay-Z, Damon Dash. Yeah, and I'm, like, I'm, call, you know, baby, I, I'm also Lil calling Wayne, bullshit like, on that and that you learned it from other black men you were around and you don't notice it. This is what I was saying earlier about how we identify on, and signify. Chris, you're taking a lot of, wave, you're I, taking a lot of agency or, away from me. Or I'm just giving an opinion and you've told me about myself. You sent me long ass notes telling me you know fair, more about me fair, than I know. Fair. So here we go. Fair. And, <laughs> fair. and so I'm not talking about music. I'm not talking about shit that's subjective. I'm talking about shit that you can track. Who owns what? How many black people own these distribution companies? How many black people own these television stations? How many black people have a goddamn satellite that can get this music around the world? Is there history of black people being made to look like animals? Yes. Who owns those companies that do that? The same motherfuckers that own it now. Who owns Universal Records? Louis Vuitton, Hennessy, and some other company. So is it alarming that liquor is paired to hip-hop? No, because they sell booze using us as a marketing tool. Is it odd that one of every business that's really successful, whether it's Drink Champs or with Jay-Z or da-da-da, they all own a liquor company? Yeah. Is that odd? No. And what does liquor do to the black family? What is, uh, so I'm, I'm not even trying to really get into the music part, which is my point, which is that this is stuff that is traceable. It's not subjective. You can look at who owns what and how has this shit been manipulated for decades, if not longer. And why are people afraid to do it? They're not afraid to say, hoes on my dick. They're not afraid to say, I'll smack your bitch and then f- shoot your homeboy. But they are afraid to have this conversation. 
I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I think that there are instances where you are totally correct. I also believe that there are instances where this does not fucking apply because not everybody is afraid as you're trying to paint it. It's convenient for your argument for everybody to be afraid, but that's not the case, and I've seen that it's not the case. I've seen people stand up and say, this is fucking wrong. Even Russ even Russ, the kid, was like, yo, like, I don't understand, like, why, and he's like a SoundCloud rapper. I don't understand why all of y'all are making it seem like this drug shit is cool. Like, it's not cool. Like, y'all hold really on, Hold on, you talking, people, you, you, you talking about the same dude that I just listened to some of his stuff, where he's talking about his goons or his hitters or his shotters. Fuck that. I'm but tired he of this really double speak. But my thing I'm, is, no, if, my, if, at if the end of the day. What gets heard it, more is the damn song. Uh, the I song mean, gets played the interviews three. Are big. The yeah, song, they're so huge. With, with those artists, the songs get played fourteen million times. The interview gets seen three hundred thousand. Sure, maybe. All right. When when motherfuckers think of all these artists, when they think of a, a I've seen way more Russ interviews than I've heard his songs. But that's because you don't that's listen to fact. his songs. But when you look at how what gets more plays, the songs get more play. So you can sit there in your interview and be like, "I love and respect women." I don't know. And then the true, song though. that's like "I smack bitches in the mouth" gets heard by fifteen million people. I I also don't think he's ever said I smack. But here's the here's the thing that I think here's where you, you and I personally differ is like to me, I mean, it's it's why I think Pac is the most important rapper is because human human beings are I, they're messy. This, this is this may be a trite or a pat thing, but I think it's the entirety of what we are. The thing that you're that you're talking about, because like the other thing about like American entertainment comes from black entertainment and comes from underground entertainment, and um, and most of that is vaudeville, uh, 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 speakeasies, the mob, the mafia. Like art has always been attached to things that are that are sometimes dirty that are sometimes and then and then something beautiful is made out of that and that it, i mean isn't that most human culture how many how many excuses you all going to give to these white people you know what i don't I'm think saying? it's exu- I, th- I, like hold on. That- I don't think it's excuses i just I, all i'm saying is you want it to be clean and i i don't want it to be clean what i'm saying is an observation i'm not saying what i want i haven't said what my hopes are or my dreams or anything what i'm saying is that i observe motherfuckers be shook now they're not shook to say negative shit about black people they are shook to call out the power structures and what i'm saying is i observe that there are people who are shook but there are also people who aren't and they have spoken up but because they have made music with certain things in because even i just admitted earlier that my that my particular uh that my particular songs from the beginning were like crazy like i said some wild ass shit in those songs but now i'm taking polls on instagram to make sure that it's okay to make sure that i'm in there is growth that you're negating you're and that's what he's talking about I'm, I'm not negating anything and i didn't mention you it's not about me you said the micro though i'm a part of the no, mi- I, I mean I I'm said, a, you said the I'm, macro i'm, I'm a part macro. of the macro and then, i'm a and part the, of it now. the macro and the reality is if you had made a bunch of money off those earlier songs and those are the type of songs that people were paying you to make 
you would have made more of them. That's that's a conflict. That's a very human conflict. And, I I don't think if and, somebody if some if if my mama has cancer, which which she did, but if it, let's say somebody in my family has cancer, and you're talking about this and this shit, but but over here I got family pressure and I'm doing all this and I'm trying to keep the house and I'm trying to keep these people fed and and put this person through college and all this. That all I'm saying, I'm not saying it's right I, or wrong, Chris. But what I'm saying is, you're dealing with a lot of human beings who are doing what they think is best, and I don't know that your approach is always take is always taking that in the stock, and I think that hurts your agenda. And I am totally fine with you thinking that, and that I'm totally fine with my agenda being like, money doesn't mean it's okay to kill people. All right, I agree. And, and what is being done in entertainment is killing people in our community. And it's historic, and it's who owns it. Again, if we own this full chain of command, I would question it differently. But the motherfuckers, when you look at TikTok, or you look at Triller, or whatever these other sites are, the white people getting paid off of our culture. And when it's actually it, Chinese people for TikTok, but and it, well, whoever it is over here, because it, it gets distributed through Apple, and every time the shit gets downloaded, someone else gets some money, whatever else. Um, when I look at in the entertainment industry, again, who owns the distribution channels, who owns the networks, who's getting paid off all this stuff. This isn't about black people's autonomy. This isn't about me somehow hurting, helping. This is about a realistic approach to why are we afraid? And if it's to lose money, if we're only getting paid to destroy ourselves, well, then selling out is nothing new. And to that point, I would even say that Tyler, the creator, on one of the biggest white platforms ever, was called out the gatekeepers and the people who do shit. Like, yo, like, stop stop grouping us in. This is a different thing. Uh, but it's also like, yo, uh, stop okay. grouping us in. So stop doing it, this. It's, it's ironic that a person who has said openly gay bashing and... He is gay. First off, first off, we he don't we don't gay. we don't know what any of these people do, but but, but people. So that, then that negates everything that you're saying, Chris. It, it doesn't that negates they're, they're everything black people that you're who saying. say anti-black stuff. So you can be gay and still say anti-gay shit and benefit from it. That's not new. Just, there were Jewish people that sold other Jewish people out to the Nazis and then stole their jewelry. Like this shit but isn't if new. That's what you're going to so say. Let me, let me finish my point. But that's a, my point oh is, my of course, then he gets accolades with his rape jokes and his anti-gay talk and his stuff that facilitates a history of things that have been going on. I'm not focusing on individuals. I'm saying on a macro level. And it's for other people to decide. I don't know why it incenses you or it makes me feel like I am challenging you at all. What I'm saying is that there are thousands of rappers doing this negative shit. Why don't we hear any of the tens of thousands that don't do negative shit? I, I, what I would say is I, I personally am for our next talk and and this is this is my personal um i feel like especially the three of us but in general we're much more powerful when we're when we're making plans and talking about what we can build rather than what how to dismantle things around us that is the thing that each of us that we can't do together that's not something we see eye to eye on the things we do see eye to eye on and we can build off of what our dreams are, what our hopes are for the culture, how we want to see it progress. Those are places where I feel like the three of us, our time is better spent because this is an area where I don't think anyone here is wrong. I think we all have a different angle that we're approaching it from and we can't necessarily help each other because we're on too different of a page. But the things that are, that are, 
that the places where we do have common ground, the places where we can uh, align and help each other, I think is our our focus is better spent there because there's it's it's too um in the best way it's too specific and personal to each of us to be able to come onto anybody else's island i i also i part of doing this podcast is that it's heard by other people so this isn't about necessarily what we're supposed to do this is the thing that anyone who hears this don't be afraid if if you are listening to this don't be shook to challenge authority and you may lose money you may lose listeners you may not be as popular as you could have been but that's okay you have an effect in the world and it is going to affect people and so what i'm encouraging people is i've watched too many artists be coerced into holding in their truth and being told that only parts of their truth are what people will accept. And usually the part that they're told people won't accept is when it gets into questioning whether or not we want to spread these false images of violence, these false images of disrespect, whether we want to continue to be anti-other marginalized groups. And that some people do need to hear that if you question society, good. If you look at it and you think, damn, this rap shit is fake, I want to say something. Say something about it. If you want to see more truth and authenticity in hip-hop, say something about it. Support the artists that do speak truth to power. Figure out, like, maybe there is something to be gained by saying, wow, why historically do these white-owned companies push particular images of us? Maybe that is a catalyst for wanting to start your own thing. Maybe there is a catalyst for wanting to question authority. I... I I also want to say to your point, Chris, too, um, yeah, don't be afraid to push back against the establishment and the people that hold power. But I think a lot of times the people that hold the most power in our lives are those people that we love. So don't be afraid to also tell somebody that you love you don't agree with their views, that you don't agree with, that's really important. you know, where where their perspective of things. And that's and not that be to your say, parents. yeah, that's not to say that you don't respect them, you don't love them, and you don't, you're not going to try to understand their point of view. But like, if we're not challenging those, because we'll, we'll, we don't see the owners of Universal. We don't see these rappers from the day to day. We don't see Billie Eilish. Mm. She may never know that we ever even had this conversation. But what we can do is have the conversation as we have done among ourselves today. And I think both of you know that I love you, regardless of how, like, crunk we get about anything so bad like, i introduce so much anger to the room but, and but i think it. it's healthy sometimes I and i think it. you have to say bro i don't agree with you but it helps get you to a it helps get you to a better place i i would want to say to me the, the the place that i'm focused on all the time is really like when i look at the the people who are shine the brightest to me in in culture and in the world and in, in my own life it's the 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 idea of redemption, the idea of forgiveness, and the, and the idea of that as a as an agent of change. That's my personal thing, and 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 I feel like, man, I feel like hip hop is built around that. I've been saying for years that I think the most powerful moment in hip hop in the last thirty years was Jay Z's "I Declare War" concert where you brought Nas out. Because to me, that was at least the moment where publicly these two guys could go, man, this beef. Whatever it was, we made some we made money off of it, but like there isn't a winner here. So was that that Carnegie Hall? 
I don't remember where it was, but to me, the this idea of any reconciliation and any forgiveness and any time that people can move forward and and uh, and people can move forward and and have a have another chance and then uh, and then we can support that and get behind that. I think those are the only real agents of change. Those are the that's the only way I've ever seen that a that another human being can really be changed. Well, I also want to be really clear, and this is going to sound however as holy as possible, is I've been in the rooms with motherfuckers that make these decisions. And so this is I think all of us have. Well, I can say I have I, as well. I don't know. That, that I'm okay with knowing that, you know, I've, I've been around motherfuckers where it's a whole room full of white people that work for some marketing company or PR firm. They get hired. They're given a client that's black. And I hear how they talk about this shit. And I hear how when no rappers are in the room, they talk about rap music and talk about us and come up with all this fake shit. I've been around rappers that before they got signed, while they got signed, after they got signed and dropped by their label, after they went on to make all types of money, whatever else. I'm okay with this idea of having to let people know what's really happening in order for them to be informed and make decisions. And right now, people are lying a lot about what's happening, and people are uninformed when they're making decisions. And so I do agree that, yeah, let's build. Let's work on stuff together. But there's also an element of if people don't know the truth, they're going to keep making bad decisions. And, and so I'm, I think it's good to have these conversations. I don't get offended at all. I don't expect everyone to agree with me. I don't expect to have to agree with everyone else. And so it's not, like, contentious. But I think it's, it's important to, to bring up and we talk about the history of perception and we talk about the history of representation and we talk about the history of how blackness is sold and commodified. I was actually, I think the first show where Nas and Jay-Z came out together was at the um, Hard Knock, or no, what tour is this? But it was, there was a show out in- It was like in, 2003 maybe or four. No, they, they'd be after that. And I saw them, um, they came out and they did like a song at, what fucking tour is it? The, not paid dues, whatever, but it was at like Nassau Coliseum, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, like in, in uh, and I went to the show and I photographed the first time they were on stage together. Yeah, that was the I Declare World concert. After, no, I don't believe so. And so I remember that was a big thing. Oh, and I they remember were, they I, were I've both there. Because that was a big moment for me per, per, because I was just, I just remember being so shocked by it. And it was, this was the blog era. This was like the, the opening of the blog era. So it was everywhere and it had never been seen before. And, and so all these things, it's like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not here to foster, like, negativity in hip-hop, but I'm also like, yo, I've watched now for 15 or 20 years how people are affected by hip-hop. And I'm, I'm, I'm over this concept of, well, these guys give turkeys away on Thanksgiving and started a scholarship program. We have also seen the tens of millions of people who've been affected by, oh, wow, this person's pushed this idea that, like, blackness is having to either deal drugs or play sports and those are our only options and that's bullshit yeah. fucking lie you're that's more likely to be a doctor than be a basketball player that's a fact i i uh i and i, I totally that. agree with you i think for me something that's really important is just defining conversations man and defining your your stance on it in a way that doesn't alienate those who are in it with you. Because I, I think something that Dave Chappelle said in one of his last stand-ups, and he was speaking to, I guess to bring this like full circle, uh, he was speaking to the women's movement at the time. He was like, yo, like women, I, you know, I, I understand that this is, 
you know, a crazy time and that, you know, it's some nasty ass motherfucking men out here doing nasty ass things. But don't alienate every man because you need men on your side to win this particular thing you need. Mm. And so for me, I'm just saying, I don't want to, because we could continue on all day. But all I'm saying is, like when, when, when you have people like Tyler, the creator, who are creating music the way that they are, and what and yes maybe he did have some like crazy ass lyrics for shock value back in the day um when you have somebody though who is made this evolution of music when you have people like j cole who create albums like kod when you have people like drake who is arguably the biggest fucking rapper in the world who doesn't who more talks about his emotional uh disdain for himself and how he's been broken up and like all of these things hold on hold on hold on has has done all these things i think we also have to say I, I don't think you can just say that everything is lies and that the lyrics in hip hop are all this particular thing because it's not. I mean, we've had this we've had this same argument many times, but I think the the analogy you just brought could be brought down to us, which is like we are three people with very distinct ideologies and like that do not agree, that very much conflict, but like we cannot allow the fact that our ideologies conflict so harshly, like very harshly, to get in the way of whatever thing we can we can Change. do together and whatever word we are getting out to whoever is listening. That cannot, we can't allow that. And so I understand the same thing where like there are people who are going to be problematic, who are going to be helpful to you and helpful to your community. Uh, that just is the case because there's just a world that we live in. There's going to be opinions that are problematic that come from people who will help you. And so we have to, we, we can call that out and talk about it. I think we also have to accept that everything is messy and that you're going to sometimes, sometimes the angel that saves you was the devil yesterday. Mm. Oh, what happened? I'm, I'm okay and relatively comfortable with uh, a certain perspective and that, yeah, you don't want to alienate people, but on the other hand, you don't enable people. And so when I was doing diversity workshops and diversity training and working with a bunch of teachers, one of the first issues when I was talking to a principal, they were like, Hold on, did you call them teachers? Teachers. Oh, I thought teachers. you were calling them a teacher. Ed- educators. <laughs> I'm getting worked up over here. I'm, 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 I'm flustered. I'm, 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 I'm worked up we over worked here. Up. And, and one of the first things earlier. was... Well, you got amped earlier. Yeah, you did. But, uh, <laughs> no, and I feel like I brought all this neg- negativity into the room, and you really yeah. you really see how it's pervasive. Like, it really does affect the room, and I did not... No, I should have been, been But I think we just I got been, heated. That's okay. I also, yeah, I've been thinking I should have controlled myself. Since I saw that interview, I've been wanting to, to question, like, why are we so afraid to question authority, yet we're so quick to sell out black culture? Anyway... The, the, an element that I ran into when I was at the school was this concept of buy-in, that if you're going to present something to the faculty or to the staff, you have to make sure you get buy-in, that you have to say it in a way that will be accessible enough to these people or say it in a way that will get them on your side. And we're talking about diversity workshops. We're saying, like, how to create an environment that's not hostile to women, how to create an environment that's not hostile to these young female students because the school is, like, 88% guys. And so talking to some of the male teachers who maybe work in the CTE or the uh, construction technology engineering part where they're used to off-color jokes and being able to say you can't speak like that. And someone's like, well, you have to appeal to, like, how they meet them where they are. You know what? No, I don't. 
for how many decades have people been meeting motherfuckers where they are and letting them stay where they are? Mm. What I got to do is sometimes come in and be like, you know what? That's some bullshit. And if you want to be on that, get the fuck up out the building. And it's going to take that sometimes. That's a fact. And so I, I'm going to let y'all do the, you know, let's meet people where they are or be open-minded to some of their situations. I'm supposed to be like, y'all shook. That's some bullshit. Grab your nuts and stand up as a fucking man. I feel like grab your nuts and stand up as a man is kind of problematic just I, from I, what we're talking about. I, I, if but, we're just, I'm, if, you know, if we're talking about that, yeah, like, that, that, that's that, kind of. I mean, even that, because the, <laughs> the thing I was going to say is sometimes, sometimes the person who's going to pull you up off the ledge is the very person that you, that you, that you, that you were unforgiving, that you were unforgiving to in another uh, realm. And then the other thing is like, sometimes we're unforgiving and then it turns out that there is something that we maybe have forgotten or left in the past or, that, that we did that is unforgivable. Or for, for and d- that, decades, you make up all this bullshit and then finally say, you know what, I'm not accommodating anymore. Maybe it's the fact that I grew up in D.C. and so from the time I'm how old, I'm getting this like, here's a part of our culture, all right? Not everything is how you grew up, Chris. There are plenty of people who didn't grow up middle class and go to private schools and da-da-da. And don't dismiss their experience. And because I was distant from it, I was like, well, yo, maybe da-da-da. And after the past 20-something years of doing fucking music, I realized, oh, motherfuckers been lying. And motherfuckers been acting like that's monolithic and that there are plenty of people who grew up in impoverished neighborhoods and grew up where their parents were selling dope who were like, fuck that shit. That's not everything, and I don't want to promote that. I don't want to tell the world that that's our only experience and that I've met enough yeah. people now to where, you know what? Maybe I'm part of the problem if I'm throwing shows and I'm letting people get on stage and rap that bullshit. Yeah. Maybe I'm part of the problem if I'm sharing those people's material. Maybe I'm part of the problem if I'm not calling out people and being like, you know what? Our black experience is far more than these three topics that get sold over and over and over again to non-black people. I mean, I feel you. I just... I have friends who, like, I grew up in that shit. Like, I really did grow up in that shit. Like, I grew up in the hood. I'm not of the hood, but I understand it. And I think, Chris, you've seen that dime switch in my head sometimes where, like, I have this, like, I have this, like, outer layer that is Carrie, and it's Carrie Blue, and everybody's like, he's so cool, and <laughs> does shows, and but, like... I really be about that shit, like, if the time comes to it. And I have people who are musicians, like my homeboy Fat Daddy. Like, Fat Daddy really about that shit. Like, and I know he is. And, like, I don't agree with everything that he talks about in his home. Matter of fact, he coming up uh, here this Sunday. And I don't agree with everything that he says in his songs. And I don't condone everything that he says in his songs. But I can't tell him that that's not who or what he is because I know him and I've seen that thing. And, and I'm not saying that it's okay. Also so yeah, I'm just, I just, yeah, I just can't tell somebody. I'm not, if it's, if it's good and this person. It doesn't work for everybody. I'm not yeah, saying you should sure, do yeah. it. It doesn't work for every but single person. But my thing is, if, if this is how you feel, like that uh, YNW Melly song that, uh, and up in the morning, I got murder on my mind. Like, he, there's a difference in that song and some of the other songs. Like, you could see in this young man that he did that shit. Like, he definitely did that shit. Like, it wasn't no, like, you could tell, like, there are certain motherfuckers you could tell. And I agree that I don't like, I, I, there are songs that, like, like, I was just looking, uh, listening to the, True and uh, 2 Chains album that just came out like on the way over here and I turned it on and it was all about that and I was like, I, I can't listen to this right now. Not because I disagree with, but it just didn't sound true to me. 
You know what I mean? And like, I think that you can discern when it's true and when it's not. And, you know, I try my best to make the best decisions as a curator, as somebody who puts on shows and like what they say and like how they say it, blah, blah, blah. But like, I also am just like on this, on this thing that if we're having the conversation and we're making sure that we're checking ourselves and we're making sure that we, as much as possible, check you know what we do because i don't i don't think that you think being strong means uh you have to be a man but when you make the statement grab your nuts stand up and be a man that's kind of what we're conditioned to believe that strength comes from having nuts but i would never attribute that statement to you as a person that's all i'm saying i think being able to challenge the status quo when it's wrong is a part of our duty as people mm -hmm. in the society in which we live. And I'm not a five percenter, but I do understand the idea that there's a certain portion of the society that has no idea how it works. There's another portion of society that understand how it works and it takes advantage of people. And then they're the poor righteous teachers. And they're the motherfuckers that challenge the power and will risk things in order to try to work to the benefit of those 85ers. And that is part of being a woman, being a man, being non-gender, whatever you want to call it. That there is an element of grab whatever you got, hold them shits, be able to protect yourself, and be ready to fight and make a change. And that doesn't mean physically fight. That doesn't mean strength in a physical form. But it means having fortitude mentally, spiritually, emotionally, in these other realms. And not kowtowing, not catering, not pandering, not being a sycophant. And we're often told to do those things. And so I, I'm very clear in my statement of when I'm saying hold your nuts, it doesn't mean you're only strong if you fight somebody or you're a man only. But it's if you're a woman, grab that labia and, and be ready to protect that shit yeah. and, and be ready to go to war sometimes emotionally, mentally, spiritually, because the other people are going to war with us. These other people don't think it's a joke. When George Bush stole an election, he wasn't sitting there like, well, I don't affect society. He was like, yeah, I'm changing the fucking world. And he did everything in his power to do that. And so it means we, on the other side of it, have to do everything in our power to change the world in the way we want to see it. And, 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 be, go ahead, my bad. And, and being neutral and being just on the fence is not a decision. It, it actually is a decision. By not making a decision or by staying out of the conversation, that's a decision and it's complicit. And so I'm, just, I'm, I'm at the point now where like, I've, I have too many friends. My homie just got locked up two days ago. You know? Family members that were in jail for shooting motherfuckers. Motherfuckers that got shot and now walk with canes or in wheelchairs. Motherfuckers that shot people and took someone's life away from their family. This shit is too real for me. This isn't some shit on That's TV. That's a fact. Yeah, same, no. I, and, and so, same shit, bro. So when it's entertainment to people, it's bothering me. It's like my friends now are still dealing with all these real things. And it's just entertainment to other motherfuckers. And the shit isn't a joke to me. It's not entertainment to me. It's not funny. And there's no way that some white motherfucker in, in Idaho or in France or in wherever they own these companies get paid off the misery of black folks. And that's just where I'm at with it. No, I dig. I, I, I definitely dig. And, I, you know, again, man, we could go on for days and days and days and continue. I, I think I'm thinking about some of kid day, who's listening to this right now who's just like, is just 16, 17 years old and doesn't know anything about the world and they're just like, what? That, you know, they're hearing all these three perspectives and they're just like, what? Or they've chosen a side, you know? Yeah. They've chosen which one of us represents them or there's some amalgam or like, I mean, I think that is really, really, really important. As someone who 
every, it's for me, it's everything that people I very much believe in. People have the ability to make their come to their own conclusions and make their own choices. So, to me, this is very important that there's three very distinct points of view that are being expressed from from black men who come from very diverse backgrounds, uh, black American men. Uh, that is really really important to me and I know we're not always able to find common ground but like to me that's everything because I, I, that's what I craved as a young person as an, a young adult that's what I crave right now is like just tell me exactly what you think um, just give it to me and give it to me straight and each of you give me give, so I could so I have some more information so I could go and make a decision for myself in my context based on how I believe and what my values are it's something that i can use to walk forward with that's a fact well yo this has been a this has been a, a this heated. has been a podcast right here i am uh carrie blue i will not raise my voice anymore i'm precious gorgeous <laughs> this is chris i'm i'm learning i need to like calm down but the world is 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 mayhem and Again, I want to tell everybody, don't be afraid to be revolutionary. It's like that word now is a bad word or, or something people are afraid of. And I'm, I'm out here to remind y'all, challenge the system. Be ready to take the loss. Be ready to sacrifice. Be ready to lose money. Be ready to lose friends. But speak that truth. Stop being afraid. This is We Be in the Hallway. Peace. Peace. My God.